0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold, coming to the ring from Parts Unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, pick a loaf and Dr. Zong!
1: Gold is back. Brown dog ale. Yeah. I am the loaf and with me,
0: Dr. Zahn. Hey, hey, well, hey.
1: Um this week we're doing Armin's Double Feature of It's a it's our second Count It Number Two Magnificent Bastard Ornest Ernest Borgnine.
2: Or Ornest Bergnine.
1: Ornest Bergnine. <laughs> I am drunk. Um so, I apologize if the sound is a little off this week. I've updated my recording software, and uh, we're struggling a little bit with it. We'll see if that uh, what it sounds like here. I look like I'm clipping like crazy, so hopefully that's not the case. Maybe I need to turn down this knob a little. Knob. <laughs> um, Zom, how are you, sir?
2: I'm pretty sleepy, but I'm, I'm uh, like a... Navy Seal, when they do that uh, thing where they stay up for like three days straight. Nay, I'm a Navy Seal.
1: Congratulations, arr, arr. America's America's finest. Um, it's been a week here.
2: Oh, well, that doesn't sound good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's you know, it's it. It was one of those where it, it the whole week goes by and you're like, did I do anything at all? Like what the fuck? I did do laundry today, which is really fucking exciting. I know, yeah. and um,
2: one whole week of your life has went away, and it's a week closer to death.
1: And I've got nothing, zero to show for it.
2: Yeah, what well, I saw a movie one time. What was the movie where? Oh, it was a uh, Papillon with Steve McQueen, and uh, mm-hmm. he was hallucinating in uh, solitary confinement, and the guy looked at him and said, "You're." He was like a, at a courtroom, and the guy said, "You're guilty of the worst thing a human being can be guilty of." And he was like, "What's that?" And the judge goes, "A wasted life."
1: Oh God, that's that's, that's I'm You're like
2: Papillon. You're like I, Stephen fucking McQueen. I'm
1: Stephen McQueen. Stephen, Stephen McQueen.
2: McQueen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did get uh, a couple new Godzilla figures this week with money I don't have. Yeah, so that's see,
2: good. well, that's not um, bad though.
1: Two of them look like they have pock marks on their face, which is kind of funny.
2: Do they have um, big stubby feet?
1: They do. Every every Godzilla I have has giant feet. So
2: I love the giant feet. I with the long with the long feet, 'cause I have long feet and long toes, like Godzilla, I don't like stumpy foot.
1: I'm going to uh when we finish recording, I'm gonna turn on the lights of my display cabinet and post pictures of Godzilla feet. Yeah. That's what I'll do with my night. See? Who said I wasted my time? Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Things in life that make it worth living, like Godzilla feet.
1: I am I am beginning the process of learning um, uh, video editing software, so that's that's been kind of fun. I've been spending some time at work. I actually get time set aside at work to uh, to do that. So I'm learning Final Cut Pro, and um, some of the examples that of the training videos I use on Lynda.com are. From some show called Castles, which I've never heard of.
2: Uh, I've watched Castles or Castle. Well, there's a,
1: so yeah, it's a ca- maybe it's, maybe it's about it was, it's the clip that I saw has an architect in it.
2: The one I watched is the guy's a, a writer and he tags along with the cops. And it's the uh, I think I think if I remember correctly, it's the lead from um, Firefly, the captain.
1: Oh no, this must be something different. I don't know what this is, but. It's, there's been some funny things when she's, you know, while she shows you the technical side of editing, at the same time, she shows how, you know, bad edits can really mess up the flow of something. And there's some hilarious moments where you might overlook it where a guy walks into a room and then when you, you see him walking from the side and when it shows him from the front, he's perfectly still. Like all of a sudden he's just... Teleported into place (laughs) because there was no edit made of the front view to show him just shifting a little bit to show that he just finished his walk, and it's it's kind of it's kind of funny. It made me laugh. So Um,
2: there you go. It made you laugh, which is and I smiled.
1: I smiled once this whole week. It was great. Um, and now brown dog old brown dog ale will make me smile again. (laughs) It has a picture of Olive on the front. She appears to be a. Chocolate Lab, perhaps, with a little white patch. Um, brewed and bottled by Smuddy Nose Brewing Company in Hampton, New Hampshire.
2: When you're done drinking all those, you'll you'll be panting like a brown lab.
1: <laughs> um, so what have you been watching this week?
2: And trying to suck your uh, red penis. Uh, what have I been watching, you say? My red Godzilla. Well, well. let's start out with... 2014's The Two Faces of January. Have you heard of this?
1: I've heard of this.
2: This is uh, directed and written by Hossein Amini and it stars the Vigo Mortensen, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and Oscar Isaac, who I really like. Uh, now, this, I believe uh, some people when describing it uh, kind of gave it a, a uh, Tom Ripley, talented Mister Ripley, kind of a, a feel, and mm-hmm. it does have that. It's got some con shit going on. I love Vigo. I will watch him in anything. Kirsten Dunst is just somebody that I can take le- take or leave, leave or take, take or leave. I would uh, I would
1: certainly take her. She
2: has very bi- she has nice boobs. Not I wouldn't yes. say huge, but they are well rounded and uh they're good um, did you
1: did you see her in that uh in the movie um
2: oh, fuck uh,
1: about the end of the world
2: no you told me it, we, yeah. you, you talked about it on the show one time and i had never gotten around to watching it because it's sounded when you were talking about it like it was huge really depressing yes and the last thing i need in Mel- this life <laughs> Is depression.
1: Melancholia, that's it. So. And she does show the jugs in that. Oh, yeah. And apparently, I think she was part of the um, that celebrity photo leak too. Oh. I think some booby shots got out of her there too.
2: Well, she uh, she gives a little side boob in this, just enough to, to, make, to keep you interested. To
1: wet the whistle. But I
2: liked it. I watched it, and then as soon as it was over, I started it again and watched it again. So <laughs> that tells you that – I mean I, I I wouldn't say it was the greatest movie in the world, but I just really liked it. Um, 2011's uh, season of the witch, directed by Dominic Sena, uh, starring Nicholas Cage and Ron Perlman, uh, and you can't beat having those two together in a movie. That's all <laughs> I have to say about that, I liked it. I, I uh, bought it, at, uh, and for the digital copy, and uh, uh, at the beginning, Cage has it's when they start the Crusades, and they're standing on a hillside, and neither one of them have their helmets on. Uh, with all the other Christian warriors, and um, Cage has really blonde hair. He kind of – I don't know what the – he's trying to look like Lancelot or something. And <laughs> Pearlman puts his helmet on, and then when Cage puts his on, it looks like he is putting a uh, big metal toilet on his head. It's a funny helmet. Um, now, some of these are just other you know shit that was on TV. Um, I watched 2009's Obsessed, uh, directed by Steve Schill, and it stars Idris Elba, Ali Larder, and the Beyoncé Knowles. My friend Brian hates Beyoncé, and so he was pretty much uh, hoping that she would get killed in this, and he said he (laughs) hates her in everything. Uh, And uh, Ali Larder is hot in this. She is also on the new show with Sean Bean Legends, and so that's the only reason I watched it, and I like Idris Elba. I think this might have been one of the first things I saw him in, but it's not very good, so don't watch it. Um, nah, don't okay. watch it. It's okay. Uh, 2000 – or I'm sorry, 1992's Last of the Mohegans, uh, directed by Michael Mann. I forgot that he directed that. Uh, and it's, it's kind of odd. When I first saw his name come up, I was like, oh, shit, Michael Mann because you're so i I'm so used to seeing him do like crime movies and things like that Daniel Day-Lewis is uh really Young and uh, thin, and he is like a fucking Daniel Boone. He is Natty Bumpo, uh, Hawkeye, or the Pathfinder, or, you know, uh, he's in the Last of the Mohegans. That's Russell Means, who was one of the heads of the act- actual heads of the American Indian movement that took over Wounded Knee and all that shit. Madeline Stowe's pretty hot in it, and West Studi fucking rules. <laughs> um, now this was just on TV because believe me, uh, Mark Wahlberg is not my favorite actor, and it's Invincible from 2006, directed by Erickson Core. Okay, I think and I've seen that. Greg Kinnear is good. He plays what's his face, uh, Dick Vermeil of the Philadelphia Eagles coach, and he looks like Dick Vermeil, and he kind of acts. I mean, you know, sort of acts like. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, I don't like him. I think he is overrated, and I think that he is five foot eight, and he's supposed to be playing a six foot three wide receiver. So that's <laughs> awesome. Woo! I like that Elizabeth Banks, though. I'd f- fuck her. I'd f- if she would say yes. Um, <laughs> if you're if you're listening out there, just say yes. I'll give you the greatest three minutes of your life. Uh, no, maybe not anymore. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh 2003 is Tears of the Sun. Now this is Antoine Fuqua or Fuqua. Um starring Bruce Willis, Cole Hauser, Monica Bellucci. Ugh. She can wear an undershirt with a button-up shirt over top of it and still make me a drool. Um this ha- this is kind of like a Magnificent 7 kind of a Magnificent 7 mixed with um dark of the sun maybe or something like that. It's the one I've seen a, a few times. It was on the shelf down in the basement. Uh, one of the few that's actually out where I can find it. Uh, mer, I watched a new one. Well, sort of new, uh, for me, it was new 2013's labor day. Uh, Jason Reitman, uh, directed this and it stars Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin. I'm not the world's biggest Josh Brolin fan. Um, I don't think he's bad. I just think that he is kind of meh. Yeah. Uh, but in this, I really liked it. I like the story. Um, it's nice to see you take someone like Brolin, who is usually plays like fucking Jonah Hex or uh, the new. Um, oh, God damn. George oh, W. Bush. George W. Bush, old boy and shit like that. But then it take him and put him into a you know a kind of a lovish type story with a twist. I like Kate Winslet. Mm. I think she's a very good actress. Um, let's see. I watched – now, this is a strange one, but I, I don't know why I say that. But, but I watched 2001's The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Directed by I was uh,
1: I, well. It's it, it's interesting that you said it's a strange one because I was surprised to see that you watched it.
2: Yes. Well, here's the deal. Um, I was at Walmart and they have the bargain bin.
3: Yeah.
1: Now,
2: the bargain bin had three Lord of the Rings movies in there, separate in separate cases, seven fifty a piece. And On I,
1: Blu-ray or DVD?
2: Just I think it's just DVD. Okay. Okay, and I almost bought 3 of them separately. And then when I the, like a a couple days later, I was back in there and I just was kind of digging through there and I found a set. One case, all 3 fucking movies, 3 discs for 7.50.
1: There you go. So
2: it was a deal, and each one of these movies is like 3 fucking hours long. So <laughs> I figured, okay, that's a pretty fucking good deal if you consider the price. So, I will be watching
1: have you seen those before?
2: I – as I was watching this one, I remembered watching it, okay. uh, but I had forgotten most of it. I kept thinking that one part – one scene in this, I thought it was in the next one, but I don't even know if I've seen the other ones. I think I saw this one. It was on TV, and I turned it on like maybe halfway through or something. <laughs> And, but, well, Have you was, read the books? No, I don't know no. you know jack or shit about it. But it's got a nice cast. I was like, god damn, yeah. is that Liv Tyler? Is that fucking, uh, what's her face? That uh, Vigo? Vigo's in it. That's my, two Vigos for me this week. I, Sean Bean, I like Sean Bean. He's, he's one of the best parts of this fucking movie. Um, the Hobbits didn't creep me out as much this time. Uh, <laughs> I don't like that, uh, what's his name, at? Is it Aston?
1: Sean Aston. Sean
2: Aston. He he was kind of a tit. I did not like him. No. Like Kate Blanchett and I would have sex with her if she said yes. Uh... <laughs> are you listening, Kate? Yes. Yes. Um now I caught this one. If you're flipping channels and you get the this channel, there's a good chance in our circles that a movie that you will be interested in will be on here. And it's 1987's No Man's Land, uh, directed by Peter Werner or Werner, and uh, stars Charlie Sheen and D.B. Sweeney. Now, this is before Charlie Sheen turned into a colossal fucking douche. Uh, (laughs) And D.B. Sweeney is such a babyface in this that in wrestling, when they call somebody a babyface, I think. There's a picture of him in the dictionary.
1: They could call him. They could call him D.B. Sweeney from now on.
2: D- they could call him D.B. Sweeney. Randy Quaid in a straight role where he's kind of a, a hard-ass cop. Bill Dukes in it. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh. It's got a nice guy. It was. I saw this in the theater in 1987, but I haven't seen it since. And I actually enjoyed it. It's got a lot of. Uh, 80s music and 80s kind of clothes and stuff. Does and,
1: does the this network have commercials? Yes. Okay. Do you get the El Rey network?
2: Uh that's
1: pretty new, but they show a lot of genre that's looking the one stuff that like what's kung What's face
2: kung came, kung came out with it that it? yeah. libre.
1: Yeah. Uh
2: Robert Rodriguez. I always hear Conan talking about it. I it just came started up, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, but they, I follow them on Facebook, so they're always posting what like what's playing tonight. It's always like Shaw Brothers movies and stuff. So.
2: Um I, I
1: we I don't think we even have the option for it here, but I don't have cable, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. I I
2: don't um I'd have to look. I might is it do you have to pay for it?
1: I well extra. No, I don't think it's one I don't think it's a premium network. I think it's just it has to be part of your cable package a though. package. Yeah.
2: The double feature of on the this channel was No Man's Land, and then right after that was At Close Range, nineteen eighty six. Yeah, uh, by James Foley. This fucking movie is awesome. I have seen it probably. I'm not even joking if I said I saw I've seen this forty times. <laughs> uh, Christopher Walken is so good in this, um, and the story. When I saw this in the theater, when it came out, I really liked it. I have a crush on Mary Stuart Masterson, uh, and um, especially back then, she looked like a girl that we went to high school – that I went to high school with. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, um, I just recently with – you know, back then we did have the internet, but now that we do, I, I started looking up the true story. I posted some stuff about the real people, and this fucking shit – is when you watch this movie and then you read the sh- the shit that happened it's like the exact same stuff that happened wow. uh so now the the uh the writer of the book said that uh they added a few things for dramatic effect like the mm-hmm. that uh Brad Jr who is Sean Penn they made him a lot more – he said they made him a lot more sympathetic than the real guy, that the real guy was kind of a, was a scumbag too. And, uh, but anyway, that was uh, – that's all I have. That's it. Neat. Lots of Law & Order. Lots of – I was watching uh, wrestling uh, and on YouTube and Law and & Order every day. And I even switched over today and watched a Law & Order um, Criminal Intent. On Netflix, and I just could not even get into it. It was from the sixth season, and I just had to switch back to regular Law and Order. I
1: can't take that. Um, I I watched wrestling this week too, but I watched the the pay per view. How was that? Uh, Night of Champions, which was not not great.
2: Did John Cena come back?
1: John the not a bad match. John Cena came back, did not it's, win, it's but longer. it was a it was a it was a DQ finish. So it was, uh. nobody liked the finish, but. Um, he definitely was holding his own this time, so that story continues. And now uh, the little Weasley, Seth Rollins, is pissing everybody off. So John Cena and Dean Ambrose are back, uh, or Dean Ambrose is back from his from his injury, oh. and uh, they're both after Seth Rollins now. And Roman Reigns is on the sideline for at least six months with his hernia repair. So
2: now is he somebody's son?
1: Roman Reigns. I don't know whose son he is, but he's, he's part s- of that wild him. Samoans family. Um, I'm not sure whose like kid he is. I know, the the what's that?
2: I kept thinking he was Snooka's son. Maybe
1: no, Snooka's daughter wrestles, but oh. um, he is an n o a or however you say their last name. He's oh, one of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I'm not sure whose son he is. He's like the he's pretty close cousins. I think with the Usos who are Rikishi's kids. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm not sure who his dad is. But, uh, yeah, they're all related somehow, The Rock and those guys, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I watched Raw and it wasn't very good,
0: uh, yeah.
1: Um, but the movies I watched, I had a pretty good week for movies, I, I watched quite a bit. Um, I bought, um, and I think it's still on sale if anybody's interested, uh, Seven Psychopaths on iTunes, it's seven oh. ninety nine. Um, so I watched that, I'd seen it already, it's still really good, I like it quite a bit, um. Uh, Tom Waits is really cool in it, and uh, Christopher Rockwell's Walken. Butt. And Sam, Ra- he doesn't show his butt in this one. I don't recall see, ever seeing his butt at all. Not especially not bare, but I don't even recall seeing his his backside except for maybe his shoulders. Bubble. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but Seven Psychopaths, I like it, I like it a lot, a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I watched Brotherhood of Death. <laughs> A group of black Vietnam vets go up against the Ku Klux Klan.
2: All brotherhood, as in brother.
1: Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> it had moments, um, but I'll tell you where it went wrong is that it tried to go too serious. And um, The white people in it are real pieces of shit, and you hate them, but like the political stuff was just kind of boring because it was just, yeah, 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 like that kind of thing. And I wish it was a little more... Sleazy or exploitative in some way. Anybody um, famous in it who was in no, it? no, I don't think so. Uh Roy Jefferson. No. Uh, nobody I recognize at all. It's, it was it look I mean, it was a really old, crappy VHS rip that I downloaded, so <laughs> um yeah, I mean yeah, it was alright. I was hoping it was gonna be more like Rambo style getting back at these guys, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um I watched Confessions of a Dog that Armin recommended. Mm. Um, that is on YouTube.
2: I've watched an hour of it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm watching it in chunks.
1: And you have two more to go.
2: Yeah, no, it's a big fucking long movie with a um,
1: big Japanese it, guy. Yeah, it can be shorter, definitely. Yeah. Um, the guy uh, Shun Sugata is the main character, and his character is very interesting because it's when the movie starts. What you saw, he's the big guy that works at the booth. Um uh he's the he's the street cop but right. they they like his style so they make him a detective but i think they make him a detective because he's kind of simple and uh he'll do whatever he he'll do whatever they want and he's kind of the, you know he's kind of he's he's the muscle um so it's just like him rising in the proverbial ranks of a very corrupt police department who but you know basically take bribes and do all kinds of shit and Um, It's it's interesting and it has a pretty phenomenal uh, finish. The the last scene is really good. So not action packed. It's kind of a you'll see.
3: Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I watched one of my four a.m. wake up calls. I watched Wings from nineteen twenty seven. Um, as Tector said, the first Academy Award winning film ever. Is that Um, Tower Hughes? No, it was William Wellman. Howard Hughes made an aviation movie after this. Who and his his number one task, I think, was to try to up it. He wanted to make the he make a better. Um, but um, this is a silent film about World War One. I. I got I got on a World War One kick this week. Um. Has Clara Clara Bow? I guess that's how you say her name. She was mm-hmm. pretty famous, I think, in the silent movie era. Oh, yeah. She showed her tits in this, which I was really surprised Oh She was changing clothes, and these guys walk in, and there's her tits just dangling well, there for a second. Well, it's
2: uh, probably pre uh, what pre code pre code
1: 1927. Yeah. But I don't, I've ne- I don't think besides like you know the old clips of of quote unquote porn early <laughs> porn, uh, I don't think I've ever seen nudity in a silent movie yeah. before
2: i've um, I've got that on v h s but i've never watched it i probably it is it for twenty years
1: it is like i really recommend it it's over two hours long huh? um which can be a little much for a silent film i think uh but it's got it's got a really cool story um and I could have sworn and i had to read about this i could' have sworn they had real footage in this movie of some of the fighting and stuff, but I read about it and the director, it had like a, uh, two or $3 million budget in 1927.
2: Yeah. That's a lot for them.
1: Yeah. And he had 3,500 soldiers as extras, <laughs> uh, and, um, actually had stunt pilots doing the flying and it was pretty remarkable. Um, I, I definitely, and watching these movies this week, I would, I'm, fucking glad I never had to fight in any kind of thing like this because they uh. looked goddamn miserable.
2: Um they had a really uh, good documentary about William Wilman. I think it was on AMC maybe back when AMC actually was about like classic movies and <laughs> like Clint Eastwood and a bunch of people that looked up to him were on there. He was a, a real hard ass, you know, man's man kind of a guy, you know. Uh.
1: It's really interesting. Yeah, they f- they filmed it in San Antonio or outside of San Antonio, and they dug trenches and everything. I mean, there was fucking tanks and everything in this. I was really, I was so shocked. I, I was like, "Whoa, they have fucking real footage in here!" But no, nope, it was just all recreated, which is pretty remarkable. So, um, I watched the Blue Max, uh, which with uh, George Papard, Hannibal, and Ursula Andress, who gets ninety percent naked a couple times, and James Mason. James with- Mason. <laughs> and he looked old and fat um uh, the uh this is um uh yeah this this is a pi- another world war 1 movie and uh uh george pappard plays a guy who uh, he he's got a big chip on his shoulder he really wants to prove himself he's a lower class guy and all the all the pilots are kind of rich, are from rich families and they all like look down on him and he wants to get the blue the blue max which is the medal you get when you shoot down 20 uh, kills when you, when you get confirmed twenty kills. So he gets a rivalry with another pilot who already is already has eighteen kills when he comes in, and um, it's a good movie. Uh, I found myself kind of disliking Pard's character by yeah. the end because he's just a dick.
2: <laughs> That's what I remember the most about it. I haven't seen it since I was probably in high yeah. school, but I remember him like being so unlikable that it kind of hurt the movie.
1: Yeah. But, um, the, again, stunt flying was really pretty spectacular in this too. And it had even more so, um, some different sorts of planes and stuff. It was cool to see, um, the compare, like to compare the two, because a lot of the things that they would do in the two movies are the same, uh-huh. like, uh, shooting down Zeppelins and stuff with yeah. the, in the fire and the guys jumping out of the parachute out of the Zeppelin, um, happens in both movies, uh, cutting the, the, number or the cross off of a plane when you shoot it down to, to, to save it, that kind of stuff. It was kind of a neat, neat uh, uh, carryover for, for two movies that are 40 years apart. So
2: they've made some uh, aviation movies like World War One and World War Two movies here recently, but it's just not, it's, you know, they'd CGI all the, uh, it's like watching Star Wars with TIE fighters, you know, they just yeah. CGI out the plane. So it kind of really takes away from it.
1: The um, This one's on uh, Amazon Prime, so it's also free to watch if you have that membership. Dig it. Um, I watched on YouTube, and this is the only fucking copy I could find of this thing with with English subtitles, uh. Uh, West Front 1918. Uh-huh. Another World War I movie. Um, this one came out I, the same year as the original version of All Quiet on the Western Front, um, but this is a German movie. Directed by George Wilhelm Pabst, who did a lot of silent movies and made um, a lot of beer. Made a lot of beer, blue ribbon style. <laughs> this is really good. It's fucking depressing because, yeah, again, depressing. this one is this one is not pilots. This is purely trench warfare Grinch. and young kids. Like it show it, it does a good job of jumping back and forth of showing somebody go home and have to deal with some home shit or this one young guy falling in love with a Belgian chick and all this stuff. And then he has to go back to the trenches where there's rats and and waste deep water and guys that don't speak your language trying to choke you to death. oh so, God. Yeah. And uh, just reading about just trench warfare in general, just like, it's like, they just weren't ready. Like, they got machine guns and fucking mortars and rockets, but they still just... March, right? The fuck straight.
2: (laughs) Well, um, Damocles, that's a name from the past, uh, turned me on to a podcast and it's all, it's all about like history, uh, made interesting, you know? And the, I think there's four episodes so far that are like six hours long, a piece or something where they talk about, uh, world war one trench warfare how this was the first um, war where they started using machine guns and tanks and mustard gas and all this shit Ugh. and the trenches and how horrible it was. And the body counts were so enormous. He he said even compared to World War Two or anything like this was just like a, a giant apocalypse. Yeah, and it was just horrible. And they're really interesting to listen to. So you know, I, I can't remember what the goddamn name of it is though. Now, so, there,
1: there's no politics in this West Front 1918, other than showing just war being really shitty. Um, now, granted, it is a, a a German making the film, but it doesn't have really any reason why the war is even going on. It's just straight up the guys fighting the war. You don't really even see commanding officers that often. So, yeah, um, it's good. Uh, let's see. I watched, which had a clip of World War One in it, I watched The Big Red One. Yeah. Uh, with um, It's a Samuel Fuller written and directed, uh, my maybe, what, third Samuel Fuller movie. This had to be a pretty late one for him, right? Um, yeah. And this has Lee Marvin, uh, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. And this is in the middle. This is between... This came out the same year as Empire Strikes Back, so he must have been busy that year. I'm doing lots of coke, staying energized.
2: Yeah, trying not to smash his face in a car wreck.
1: Yeah. Um, Robert Carradine, um, who was actually not very nerdy, unlike usual. <laughs>
2: He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, they, yeah, Well, they just treated the new guys like assholes.
1: Yeah. But it was an interesting uh, – I love some of the little side stories they do with the woman giving birth in the tank, which was hilarious. Pousse, pousse. <laughs>
2: I thought one of the one of the ones that always got me was um, at the beginning of the World War One thing where Lee Marvin goes and tells the guy this Kraut kept saying this over and over and I killed him and then the guy tells him what he was saying and it was just, yeah ugh. yeah it's uh that that podcast is called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History if anybody wants to listen to oh it I this
1: think book. I might have that in my list and never actually listened to really any of the episodes really fucking so. good I'll check it out um big red one high recommendation um. Buy the DVD because the streaming options, like the if you buy the streaming video on Amazon or um, or uh, iTunes, it is near thirty minutes shorter. Um, so quite a bit. It's the theatrical cut um, on digital. So the Blu-ray is cheap and has extras, and yeah, so it's really good. Um, let's see. I watched Friday Foster. It had Pam Grier's titties, and Yafet <laughs> Kota was really funny, and otherwise not a great movie. Um, eh. Eh. It was all right. Uh, <laughs> then I watched another 4 o'clock in the morning wake up. I turned, I flipped through Hulu and found, I uh, just was looking at horror movies, and I saw Outpost, Black Sun from 2012. Um I didn't realize when I started it that it is actually a sequel to another movie called Outpost from 2008. Um, I don't know how much of the story shares because I still haven't seen that one. Not really anything at all. It's pretty oh, much – yeah. Okay. Well, it's 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 a Nazi zombie movie, sort of. They never say zombies, but they're artificially animated with the combination of a serum and this giant machine that makes this electromagnetic field. And um, it's a group of soldiers – uh, it's a woman who is hunting for her family, who has all died now, hunting down Nazi criminals, um, kind of like the, like he did in um, uh, the Sean Penn movie that I've just blanked on the name of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, was, yeah. Where he looks yeah. Like so that kind of that kind of thing. Um, she's doing that and uh, gets tied up with this military group who is trying to knock out this machine that is expanding this field. Um, so yeah, I have to see the other ones. There's a third one too. Um, that that's has the, some, Russian one, isn't it? the Russian one, yeah. So we'll see, see what goes on in this one. Um, but some, uh, you know, it was directed video, seemed pretty low budget, but it was well shot. It was interesting. I mean, it was fun movie, little movie. wasn't anything to, you know, not going to be movie of the year for me or anything, but it was fun and lots of gore, uh, multiple stabs to the face and stuff. So cool. That's it. That's all I watched. Stabs to the face. Watch some stabs <laughs> to the face. Okay, so we're going to take a break and come back and we'll talk about, I guess we'll go in chronological order. We'll come back and talk about, did I even say what we're talking about today? Uh, we're I doing don't think so. Ernest Borg 9-Double, we're doing From Here to Eternity, um, which he doesn't have a huge part in, but uh, mostly Lancaster and some other people, and um, Emperor of the North. Uh, From 73? Yeah. Um, But we're going to come back and talk about From Here to Eternity. We'll be right back.
3: Ahoy, mateys. This is KAB, Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. I'm still waiting to hear from that weatherman. But in the meantime, stay here with me. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Paracinema Magazine. They're the source for all your genre movie needs. Check them out online at paracinema.net. Tell them Stevie sent you. Keep me turned on for a while, and I'll do my best to do the same for you.
4: The Smooth Sound. Fabulous. One morning in June, some 20 years ago, I was born a rich man's son.
0: I had everything that money could buy, but freedom, I had none. I've been looking for freedom. I've been looking for
3: freedom.
1: <laughs> <so long>. Uh, <laughs> I've been looking for freedom. That's uh, David Hasselhoff. Um,
2: Sucking ain't
1: right, it's America. So that's that's K- Kashyyyk's choice. I'm not sure what that has to do with Ernest Borgnine or either of these movies, but... Oh, if soldiers are fighting for freedom, there you go. From Here to Eternity, <laughs> yeah. 1953. In 1941 Hawaii, a private is cruelly punished for not boxing on his unit's team while his captain's wife and second-in-command are falling in love. Uh, okay, starring Burt Lancaster, and Montgomery Clift, and Deborah Kerr, and... Who else? Chris <laughs> <There's> Borgnine. <laughs> yes. Borgnine, sort of. He doesn't really star. And Donna Reed's in it. She plays a whore. Frank Sinatra's in it. He's got skinny arms. Zom! Yes! What'd you think of old From Here to Eternity? The gentleman... Did review this way back when for a Mother's Day episode. I don't they remember did. when it was. Yes, they did. Jesus
2: Christ, I don't remember that.
1: I believe they did. I've I'm gonna look this up. This is all
2: their fucking shows.
1: Let's uh, let, so let's talk about uh let's talk about from here to eternity. This was probably your 73rd time watching it. It was my first. So.
2: Oh, I've seen it several times. I even had a cassette tape for some reason back before VHS. <laughs> uh, I uh, had a, a, a tape player and I uh, love movies. And so I recorded and uh, I I had like uh, the scene where it's like, all you had to do was box, but not in you, you hothead. Um, so anyway, OK, here's from here to eternity um, from 1953. Uh, I read some about this, uh, the novel and the movie before we did this podcast. Cause I do crack our crack research team. I had him get on it.
1: Yeah. And they, uh, they, they fed the punch cards through the jump, through the, uh, IBM
2: mainframe. <laughs> Here it is. Um, one thing that I found when I first started watching this, the, uh, right off the bat, when Montgomery Clift, who plays uh, Private Robert E. Lee Pruitt, now you gotta love somebody who names their kid Robert E. Lee, uh, this huge traitor to the country. Uh, but anyway, some people don't think so.
1: I can't find where they reviewed this. I could have sworn they did, don't like don't one for so. one of the Mother's Day episodes.
2: Maybe, maybe it was.
1: Uh... – What is Mother's Day? May. Who, who the fuck, fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> what day
2: yeah i don't even know what day of the week it is sometimes but um private pruitt shows up on uh the base at uh, i guess uh, in hawaii uh mm-hmm. pearl harbor um kind of hickam fields uh, i remember that's the one you know pearl harbor that got strafed and blown up and shit but anyway he shows up oh and he,
1: it was splendor in the grass splendor that's what i'm thinking
2: in of. the ass
1: yes yes maybe I'm, rec- I'm confusing those
2: um he shows up and when he uh when he first meets Bert lancaster you know he says you know private uh, robert e lee pruitt uh, reporting for duty and Bert Lancaster comes out and this motherfucker, let me tell you something about Lancaster. Okay. First of all, this was, he was kind of worried about doing this role because it, this was his first really meaty, dramatic role. He had played, you know, Crimson Pirate and, uh, you know, and, 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 like the, I can't remember what the, um, just movies like that where he's more action or noir and um, this was his, his big chance to shine and show those teeth, that hair, those teeth, that body. His uh, L- uh, Lancaster walks out, and the motherfucker looks like he's got a 28-inch waist. <laughs> I swear to God, this cocksucker, I'm watching this movie, and he's got his uniform on. He's all you know, spit-shined and starched uniform. And I look at his waist, and then I look at my waist. And I look at his waist and I look at my <laughs> waist and I started to sob. Uh, but I will say this when Lancaster was my age now, he still was built like a fucking brick shit house. <laughs> that fucking son of a bitch.
1: Uh, yeah, So so, okay, so how old was he in The Swimmer?
2: Oh, God, he was in his, was he 50 then?
1: He might have been, because he, he even showed his ass in that one. Jesus Christ. And, I, and let me tell you something, people. I'm 37, and you don't want to see my ass now. Yeah, Jesus, so.
2: man. This motherfucker. <laughs> First of all, I'm sure he had probably a pretty good ego. So when you have an ego like that and maybe a little bit of narcissism, you know, you, you're – I mean, the fucker was always in great shape. But anyway, he meets Pruitt, and Pruitt, he says, I've heard a lot about you. <laughs> and Gary Cliff looks at him and says, I've heard a lot about you, too. And it was like a Maverick Iceman fucking moment. I swear to God, <laughs> these two motherfuckers gave each other a look like, you know, oh, yeah, I've heard about you. Oh, I've heard about you, too. Mm. Like Adrian Street would be like, yes, I've heard a lot about you, too, dear. Um, Buy my books. Buy my books, please. <laughs> Um,
1: I wrote them myself
2: <laughs> yes okay <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have an editor because they're fucking all 800 pages long Jesus
1: Christ yeah, I get it you liked airplanes <laughs> Adrian if you're listening I'm sorry
2: yeah <laughs> you just need to try and break your wrist
1: What's a podcast we a
2: Podcast. We should have told him we could get him on our podcast here. And then he could tell us about his his clothing and all the things that he did. But I'm not queer, only play queer. Have you ever seen the documentary thing? The news yes. they did about him, and he's Yes. Yeah, he's like so trying not to <laughs> homophobic, but But every, he can't
1: help it. Yeah, it's just a, it's ingrained.
2: So, yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, let's get back to the fucking. Okay. <laughs> so they have a moment at the beginning, and there's this connection. Even though Langeza, uh, who is Sergeant Milton Warden, I knew his name was Sar- uh, Warden, but I f- I never knew that his first name was Milton until Deborah uh, Carr calls him uh, Milt in one scene, and I was like, Milt, you know what the fuck kind of name is that? So I mean, that's <laughs> that's an old school name, you know. You don't see I, many Milton's these days.
1: I work with a Milton,
2: really. Well, he's, then he's, I'm fucking him wrong. Is he young? Well, he's old. Oh, he's old. Yeah. Is he as old as Lancaster? <laughs> Just walk around sucking in his stomach. His so he years. can't.
1: This dude, he's this a baker. Sto- this dude's got a big old belly.
2: Um, now, the gist of the thing is, is that uh, Pruitt uh, asked to be reassigned from this unit. He was the number one bugler. And it was kind of weird that they threw in the bugler thing. I, I you know, I could see like the boxing thing more, mm-hmm. you know, because he says, you know, I, 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 didn't want to box anymore. He was a, he's like a really good boxer, like a middleweight um, boxer. And the military have these boxing teams, and they, I guess, one base might fight the other, and then the navy might fight the army or something like that. Their teams, and you get uh, there. the The gist of it is, is that the, um, uh, the team the commanding officer and the rest of the boxing team want Pruitt to fight because he's really good and they figure, okay, we'll, we'll win. And you get like a 10 day free pass. And the, 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 uh, commandant, he's like a douchebag. He's a, he's kind of a stuff shirt, but he's really not that involved. He's more involved in like the boxing thing. But as far as being a commanding officer, he lets Lancaster do everything and Lancaster does it. And to the commanding officer's face, he's, you know, whatever you say, sir. And he's, he's spit shine. He's fucking straight up military guy, great soldier. But then when he turns his back, he's like, you know, he wouldn't be able to fucking do shit without me, you know, which is the truth. Um, But they basically, Pruitt says, I'm not going to fucking fight. He, he he had an incident uh, uh, sparring, I guess, with a friend of his and the guy got hurt really bad. And so it just fucked him up. He said blinded him. Yeah, he, he, I mean, but it fucked up Pruitt. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm not doing this anymore." And so their their goal is to like haze him into fighting. And the way they do it, I mean, of course he's a a um a grunt, and so all these sergeants, all these non-commissioned officers get together and they said, "Okay, we're going to we're going to fucking bust your nuts." And we're going to fucking work you to death until we break you, and you're gonna fucking beg to fight on this fucking team, so he meets uh right off the bat he also meets uh Angelo Maggio, who is a very super duper skinny uh <laughs> Frank Sinatra,
1: yes, now his head's still the same size yeah. but
2: <laughs> i don't I never thought now later on. Uh, like in Von Ryan's Express and some movies like that, I thought Frank Sinatra w- was a lot better. They really make a big deal about him in this movie because of, number one, the Godf- the movie The Godfather. They had uh, Johnny whatever the fuck his name was, and the scene was supposedly – he was playing a guy that was supposed to be Frank Sinatra who comes to beg Vito Corleone, Mar- Marlon Brando, to get him a part in this fucking movie. His nice. career's on the shits, and he says, "You know, if I get this World War II picture, it's perfect for me. But they won't the 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 uh, head of the studio won't give it to me because he hates me." Blah 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 blah. So Don Corleone says, i am I'll make him an offer he can't refuse." They put the horse and <laughs> the fucking head in the bed. Johnny, aka Frank Sinatra, gets the role, and his career takes off again. Because at this time. I guess Sinatra was pretty much just a, he was a, a world famous singer, but his, I was, yeah, I was rambling, reading
1: that the, his, they were saying his career kind of went into a lull here. Something happened with his throat or something. Yeah.
2: Well, that's another thing that I think that in the, even in the, the Godfather movie, you know, his, uh, his voice, he kind of lost his voice and he was never, even after that, as good a singer as what he had been before. But um, now they did dispel, in some of the stuff I read, that you know, that he went to Carlo Gambino, and yeah. Carlo Gambino said, "Hey, motherfucker, you're going to put Sinatra in this movie. Or we're going to cut a horse's head off and shove it up your ass." <laughs> so anyway, but Maggio is in the movie, and he's Pruitt's best buddy. He, they they hang out together. They go get shit faced. Now, one thing I read, and I I guess this was in the book, and they actually I think shot this. But it got pulled out of the movie was that Maggio was a street hustler from New York, and the term street hustler—that really a street hustler—he sucked guys' dicks for money, <laughs> and so they took that out because they said, you know, at this time, 1953, there's no way we can we can put this in there. Uh, but he, there was a scene where he told Pruitt that he basically blew this rich old man. For money uh, like every week to to stay alive and have extra money to live on and whatever,
1: I think there's probably a lot in this movie that was you know originally from the book, and considering the time, yeah, oh, probably it, had to be you know even though even the way they talk about just the army in general or at least portray these guys or you know they're not heroic yet right they're they're just like average assholes.
2: Well, you have like a Lancaster. I think his character had maybe fought in World War One or fought somewhere because he was one that they said you know uh, Warden had was one of the ones that had actually seen action and had actually killed somebody. He was so that he was really respected. Um, now Montgomery Clift, I love Montgomery Clift as an actor. I think number one, he's got a great look. Uh, now he was one, we just talked about Mark Hamill when he had his car wreck and basically had to have plastic surgery on his face. He never really looked as like, you know, the cute guy that he was in the first star Wars movie. Cause he, he kind of fucked his face up in a car wreck. Montgomery cliff was the same way. He was in a really bad car wreck. And I mean, basically smashed,
1: smashed had, his face. Yeah. Had to
2: have total reconstructive surgery. Um, If you ever get a chance, watch the movie The Misfits with him and Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe and Eli Wallach. Uh, I just think he's a really good actor. He's got charisma and fucking spades. He's right up there. At this time, he was on the same level when they talked about Marlon Brando and James Dean. Montgomery Cliff was right there too. Um, Now – they put him through the fucking ringer. They make him march in fucking circles. Uh, this is the first movie. You have Claude Akins as one of the the uh, the sergeants that's busting his balls. That's on the boxing team. Uh, and this is the first movie I think he was in. Uh, they 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 have one guy uh, something uh, uh, Galovich. He's a kind of a Eastern European guy, and he's a real dickhead to him. Like if he's crawling on his stomach through, he'll. S- stomp his foot down in the mud and make the mud splash up in his face. Um, Jack Warden, who is awesome. I I really like him. He's another sergeant in this, and I liked his character because they didn't make everybody just black and white. You had some of the guys that were being dicks to Pruitt. But, like, Jack Warden was kind of a a good guy. I mean, he was kind of like, you know, I'll try and help you out as much as I can. I, I'm not gonna lose my stripes over it, but you know, they're they're being hard they're being assholes to you, and I realize that. Lancaster was kind of the same way. Um he kind of I mean, he wanted Pruitt to fight, but even uh I can't remember who it was, if it was uh I think it was maybe Jack Warden, told him he said or uh, it might have been just uh, i think it was warden they were he was laying on a bunk with pruitt in the in the barracks and he said the difference between warden and these other guys is he'll he'll make a line in the dirt and say okay we're going to work your ass off but i'm not going to go past this because it's not right and the other guys didn't give a fuck they were just going to be total dicks to him so you had that thing where they were trying to break uh Montgomery Cliff's character down. And he is, when I was watching this, I saw a, a total parallel to um, the movie, The Thin Red Line um, with um, Jim Caviezel and Sean Penn, because there was a scene in that where Sean Penn is the, uh, the tough old Sergeant and Jim Caviezel's the, uh, the kind of a f- screw up, but he, t- Kavizel uh, tells Sean Penn in that movie, "I'm twice the man you'll ever be. I may be a screw up. I might have went AWOL and all this stuff, but I'm twice the man you'll ever be. Um, I'm a better soldier than you. You can't break me, no matter what you do. You know, right, he's just right. one of those hard, like uh, Warden calls Pruitt in this. He's, you know, he's just a hardhead. It's not that he is a bad soldier. He's a great soldier. He he can do." Anything probably better than everybody else there, but he just can't get the army thing down because, like the boxing thing and stuff. You know, they want him to do it, and if you just go along, I think Warden even keeps telling him, if you just learn to go along, you'd save yourself a lot of headaches. Right. And even though Warden is a great soldier, uh, physical specimen, you know, and everybody looks up to him. I think he likes Pruitt because Pruitt is doing something that he has forgotten himself. Because Warden does go along, he does. You know, uh, the boss, the the CEO, is a douchebag, but he kind of overlooks the stuff. He does all the guys work for him. He he's learned the system, and Pruitt is still has his and I don't think Warden thinks he's not a man but Pruitt hasn't bent he hasn't uh given up his what he he'll still fight for what he thinks is right and everything whereas Warden's like you got to learn how to you know kind of finesse things and everything so i like that um then you have uh the commanding officer's wife and one of the best things I love when uh, this one dude is always with uh, Burt Lancaster. He's he's always eating something. He's kind of the – I think he's the guy that, that – uh, he always hands out the supplies and stuff. And he's uh, – uh, Lancaster says, I, I don't think I've ever seen you where you're working with both hands because he's always typing, but he'll have a candy bar in one hand. But him and Lancaster stand there talking, and here comes the commanding officer's wife walking across the – Thing and they're like, Jesus Christ! I've never seen a sweater like that before. <laughs> and she has this thick fucking hair. Like I've always said this on this show, and like my even my friends in real life, I've said this too. Like it, yeah, I love that thick hair where you can just like fucking grow, get your hands and grow, shake. Like face. Vishnu's hair. Like yes, like Vishnu's hair. <laughs> Vishnu's hair was uh was like something that unto a thing of silk made from heaven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i miss vishnu i wish tiff wouldn't fuck up our lives um <laughs> let's see um so lancaster kind of he's got his eye on uh the uh the boss's wife which which the thing that got me about this movie and I, I guess you know a novel as hell who knows how many pages this motherfucker was
1: but Eight hundred and fifty.
2: Yeah, you're sitting there watching this and and like and you're supposed to think that this is the first time he's ever seen the commanding officer's wife, you know, but he fucking sets his goddamn sights fucking on her ass. And he is on a (laughs) seek and destroy mission, seek and destroy her. Um, And she comes over and talks and he kind of does a little bit of flirting, sort of. You know, uh, yeah, right. I'm very. Hand- I-, I heard you're very handy, and he's like, "I am very handy," you know, or something like that. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what he says, but you know, it's got enough ambiguity there that he he can get away with, you know, saying it. It's not really overt, but when you have that cat, when you have that sh- thing going on with a chick, anything you say, if you just say it in just a s- little subtle way, it can be really, you know, provocative, and she's just like dripping. <laughs> you can just tell so anyway um, then he starts getting all these other guys keep coming up to him and saying you know hey when she was at uh, this other place uh, I heard she was a big hoe, and you know uh, like all these guys gang banged her <laughs> they didn't say that but that's when they kind of made it sound like she was just like fucking everybody and you know it was awesome <laughs> but they are all like she's kind of nuts because like you know she fucked everybody but I liked her and you know, she'd fuck me and then she'd just kind of let like go of fuck on me. <laughs> so uh, Puss commanding officer, I thought they were gonna make him like be like a an impotent kind of a uh old older guy who had this hot wife, but they actually were saying that he was going out fucking around on her and they had like a an open relationship.
1: Yeah, I slept in different rooms and everything.
2: Yeah, and the one. Oh, first of all, the smoking. You know, she's just smoking <laughs> like a fucking. She's
1: getting ready for bed, brushing her hair, and smoking a cigarette. Can you imagine what around. your breath
2: would be like. Ugh.
1: <sighs> you, like every that whole bedroom.
2: But she just tells him she's like, "Get out of my bed," or you know, "Please get out of my room or out of my bedroom," you know. And he's like, mm, "Okay." I'll just, he just came home from like fucking some other chick, and and he's probably just thinking, "Well, hell, maybe you know, I'm a little drunk. Let's you know." And she's like, "Nope." Get out. <laughs> um, Pruitt goes to a whorehouse because Maggio uh, knows all the kind of. Uh, he's probably a lot more like Frank Sinatra than you know the actual character was, um, but he knows where all the dives are and everything. And he goes, you know, I'm going to take you to this place. And of course, they never say it's a whorehouse in this movie because it's 1953, but it is. I'm pretty sure, right? Yes, because it's like in the movie they say, okay, you go in and. For $4, you get all the liquor, all the soda, and dancing with the girls or something like that. But he gets his eyes set on – what was that girl? uh, Was that Donna Reed? Yeah, that was Donna Reed. Reed. That was Donna Reed. Um, He sets his sights on her, which is funny because – The madam takes him around to these different girls and each one of them, they weren't like ugly, but they weren't like, you know, Montgomery Cliff's going to be like, well, actually Montgomery Cliff would probably be more interested in Burt Lancaster if you knew (laughs) how he was in real life. Um, But and what's weird when he was in that car wreck, I guess Elizabeth Taylor, who was like his best friend, he had just driven away from a party, crashed and they went down there and she found him and his face was like almost like. Tore off or something. He had really bad s- facial lacerations. Um, he sets his eyes on her, and they kind of play a cat and mouse uh, because he's just getting, you know, getting in with her. And Maggio, which is the funny part. Okay, we're doing the uh, Magnificent Borgster episode here. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine is fucking pounding on this fucking piano, playing fucking beer barrel polka. Now I know beer barrel polka because my mom and dad, oh my god, they had a polka album, an LP. And they played that fucking thing and cuz they were learning how to polka. <laughs> and they were dancing. It's like, you know, when you square dance, we had to square dance in high school. Did you guys ever have square dance? No. Okay, cuz you're you're <laughs> from the young generation. When we were kids, they had like in gym class one of the times in gym class, they would have square dancing, and they'd play this fucking music, and we'd get out there in this big circle, and we'd have to fucking square dance and promenade and do all this <laughs> toe and all this shit. Now, I remember my mom and dad. I don't remember them square dancing. I think they did, though. Yes, now that I think about it. I think they did square dance. Okay. They square danced. They learned the fucking polka. And they would practice in our living room, which my dad looks like fucking uh, goddamn, I don't know what, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> this giant Sasquatch square dancing with my mom who looks like this little fucking, uh, you know, whatever, um, and disco, they discoed, and that was fucking hilarious. But back to this fucking movie. Here's fucking Borgnine, and he's like – and, of course, he's not Dude. playing it.
1: Yeah, he – Borgnine looks about as convincing on that piano as I would look like dressed as a woman.
2: <laughs> How about Borgnine dressed as a woman would be awesome. Yeah, there you go. He, he would the, be
1: as, as, as handsome of a chick as he is uh, convincing playing the piano.
2: Borgnine had this look. He is the fucking most barrel-chested motherfucker. He looks like goddamn <laughs> Dick the Bruiser or something. He's got this barrel chest and this face that is – I mean this char- – uh, talk about a, a, an actor, a character actor with a great face.
3: Yeah.
2: Now, the funny thing, his name in real life when he was – his his real name is Hermes Efron Burgnino. And I guess his family was actually, you know, came over from Italy. So they shortened that to, you know, Ernest Borgnine. But he, now I will say this, fucking Maggio started the shit. Okay. Now he might not have liked Borgnine's fucking piano playing, but Borgnine was already fucking playing the piano and everybody else was milling around and Sinatra goes over and puts a, Uh, I was going to say a token, puts a fucking whatever, a dime, a nickel or whatever in the box and starts playing music. And (laughs) so he kind of starts some shit with Fatso Judson, the, the, uh, Sergeant of the, uh, stockade. Yeah. And this guy tells him, he says, you know, Hey, that's Fatso Judson. (laughs) You better not fuck with him. You know, he's, he's a real fucking asshole. And, uh, they he tells him something about like, he, uh, almost, Beat a guy to death in the stockade and all this shit, and Borgnine kind of, you know, tells him, "Hey, you know, you fucking wop, you know, fuck off." And they kind of have a little skirmish, but nothing really happens because Maggio weighs 130 pounds and (laughs) Borgnine weighs probably two sixty and is built like a goddamn gorilla. Um, But Pruitt and Maggio like to go to the whorehouse. They like to get shit faced. (laughs) <laughs> I like the <that> girl, <laughs> his, his girlfriend even says, "You know, I don't, I don't uh, drink any, and uh, or something like that." And uh, Pruitt's like, "I like to drink." You know, it's, that was a it's, that it's was awesome. a great
1: scene because Sinatra's in their room. He so he's falling for Donna Reed's character, and he's going to see her like every night. And um, but they're just sitting alone in whatever private room she has. And they, you know, all the, the any banging in this movie is totally implied. Yeah, and a lot of people are fucking in this movie. Um,
2: including uh, Burt Lancaster and Pruitt.
1: And, yes, and yes, <laughs> including the guy, that blonde guy with the spit bucket too. I bet. Um <laughs> <there was laughs> The uh, that spit bucket was disgusting. But I I really liked that scene when he when Sinatra just walks in on them and he starts pouring them a drink and she says she doesn't drink and so he has two drinks. He drinks almost all of one, and then hands that one to. To prove it, and then walks out with the full glass. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, you know, they did a lot of talking for a whorehouse. I mean, I would think, you know, okay, you're no, I, I would, okay, if you went to a whorehouse, I guess, you know, if you saw a girl and you thought, okay, I want that one. It's not like going to a bar, you know, you just say I want that one. But I would think that you would at least, you know, if you talked a little bit. I don't think I'd want to just be like, "Give me number two and let's go in here." And you just go, you know, (laughs) you know, it's a human being. You know, you might want to talk. I don't know. Some people might want to just jump right into the puss. Um, But Pruitt, (laughs) uh, he fell in love with a whore. Now, of all the years that I've lived my life, the one lesson that I had the hardest time learning was not to fall in love with a whore, (laughs) and I've done it so many times.
3: <laughs> and people
2: tell me they're like, "You have the worst taste." You know what do you think? You know, da, da da da. But I'm like Pruitt. You know, I think maybe I uh, mistake uh, good sex for something else. But Pruitt likes this puss, and he keeps going back there. And you know that he's getting like sloppy, fucking tenths or fifteenths. It's a whorehouse. <laughs> yeah. So then. um It kind of goes along, and since it is a Borgster episode, Fatso uh, Maggio has gotten on Fatso's shit list. Now he still kind of is just kind of just wants is just is okay with everything, but he walks into this one bar, and they're in there getting drunk and shit. And um, Maggio has a picture of his sister out. Now this is a classic scene. There are some classic scenes in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. This is one of the classic scenes. And
1: there's the classic scene and the, then there's yeah. yeah.
2: Now this one um, cuz they even talk about this one in the TV show Happy Days, like uh, I think with like Fonzie and uh fucking uh Richie Cunningham and Ralph Malph and then we're talking about how Burt Lancaster busted a beer bottle and you know <laughs> of the Ernest Borgnine was going to fight him. But he he kind of taunts, or he does something that kind of gets Maggio a little pissed. <laughs> Maggio clunks him on the head, which was, I thought that was kind of funny because he just fucking clunks him over the head with this big fucking wooden stool. And Borgnine just turns around and goes, "Hey, he hit me!" Which anybody else you would think would knock him out, but I'm surprised that with uh, Sinatra with his little pipe cleaner arms could actually lift the goddamn stool. So that's probably why. But then he's really on the shit list. He's on the shit list to the point where uh, Fatso has decided, okay, this motherfucker, you're going to hit me over the goddamn head, you little piece of shit. So I kind of empathized with Fatso a little bit. I thought that Maggio was kind of a a fucking douche.
1: Being a little antagonistic.
2: Well, he was obnoxious. He was a little skinny, obnoxious douche. And I was never the world's biggest Frank Sinatra fan, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, but you do have uh, Lancaster jumps up, and you've got the gorilla like, fatso, uh, who's got this huge chest and is just like, <laughs> you know. And he, and, but, but even though he's big, and and burly, and you think, okay, this fucker could probably tear up that whole bar. He pulls out a fucking knife. So there's switchblade. Yeah, that's kind of like a. Uh, Either he's a psycho, psychopath.
1: He he has a little of that going, and apparently in the book it was more uh, uh, played out with how sadistic he was and, like, it talked about the actual torture in prison and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, enhanced interrogation.
1: Right, right, right.
2: But I was – like, I mean, when he pulled the knife out that maybe it, it kind of showed that he wasn't the – he was like more talk like not more talk like he wouldn't do something but that hand-to-hand fist-to-fist like Lancaster would be the kind of guy that was like Captain America in the Avengers he just you know he's fucking man he's the real man and he's gonna fucking you know he'll go toe-to-toe with anybody and even if he even if you beat him he's gonna fucking whip your ass <laughs> so I mean everybody's kind of like uh uh when Warden stands up you know it's like ooh. You know, yeah. nobody wants to fuck with him. Even though nobody's maybe ever even seen him fight, he just has that presence. You know that he's not somebody to fuck with. So he kind of makes Fatso back down or whatever. But uh, there's there's shit that's going to happen later on there. Now the other classic scene, they I guess maybe it, they said it was like Lancaster's idea that him and Deborah Carr uh, do the kissing thing, laying on the beach with the surf splashing over him uh and that at this time in movies again they talked about this in fucking on happy days um that this was the scene this was like this would be the equivalent of the in in uh, basic instinct with Sharon Stone's fucking <laughs> Michael Douglas and everybody's like, "Oh my God!" Right? Because they didn't do shit like this. I mean, you know, hell, they they slept in separate beds in movies, and you yeah. never saw them hardly do anything. Um, now they said that Deborah Carr, they made her wear like a, a bathing suit that had like a little skirt because they they didn't want it to look too erotic. <laughs> and they thought that they were going to cut this kiss this kiss out because. They actually said it was it they thought that it might be too erotic, and I'm like, now when I'm watching it, that is pretty fucking hot, but yeah. I will say this: I have laid on the sand and had the surf you know come up, and dude, most it's times, terrible, yeah, it's terrible, and you get sand like so much sand in your shorts and shit
1: i've now, never I've never fucked on the beach, but I can't imagine that would be very comfortable
2: now, Lancaster, I thought one thing was funny is when she goes. I've got I've got my swimsuit on underneath my dress, and he goes, yeah, "Me too,
1: <laughs> me too." <laughs> so I'm like, "What?" There was another another funny line that he says when she's he asks about like how many guys, and again, it's probably a censored thing. Basically, how many guys have you fucked? And she's like, "I don't have my adding machine."
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I will say this about Lancaster. Now, I I, I guess maybe back then. I don't know if this was uh this swimwear that dudes wore. It's not really a Speedo, it looks more like professional wrestling tights. Yeah, yeah. But um that motherfucker's built like a goddamn <laughs> like he's chiseled out of stone. So I mean, if I looked like that today, I would wear those fucking trunks. Yeah. And he the thing about the the, the warden that I thought was weird was it was kind of like all these guys were telling him that she was a was a hoe. And he was like, Yeah, she's a hoe. Well, I'm gonna get her, you know. But then he's getting her and he she likes him and he's everything's falling into place, but he still has to let her know that she's a that he knows she's a hoe, which kind of fucks things up. But then when she kind of's like, Okay, asshole, you know, or you know, she gets really upset about it, then he I guess, like you know, he's in love or something. It's like, well,
1: oh yeah, and then he's like, wait a minute,
2: now my, now my dick's now my
1: sharing a space. I don't like this anymore.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, it's. It, it, I think it's like uh, you're going out with some some chick, and then everybody start, you know, people start telling you, oh, you know, she fucked so and so, she fucked so and so, she fucked so and so. You get that jealous thing going on. Mm-hmm. You can't, obviously, can't do that because I mean, you know. The past is the past, and you know uh, the person's obviously, unless they're a goddamn virgin, they've have a story, and you have a yeah. story, and everything. So anyway, he, he's just kind of being kind of turned inside out, but he likes her and everything. Now, <sighs> there's some shit that goes down. You know, I don't want to give away the. Yeah, uh, there's like about three or four stories going on here.
1: You have you have Pruitt and his check, his objection. You've got uh, Lancaster and Debra Kerr get do, having their affair. Uh, you have the
2: boxing thing,
1: right? And that's that's with Pruitt. So there's yeah. Pruitt uh, revo- avoiding the boxing and getting totally just shit on constantly. You and then you have and then you have, um, uh, and Pruitt. Maggio getting yeah and, and and Fatso.
2: But it all kind of you have a. Uh, so a few of these things went on and it comes together. You have one scene that I really liked where Pruitt and uh Warden are drunk and they're they're kind of sitting yes. there talking.
1: Sitting in the middle of the damn road. Sitting
2: in the middle of the fucking road. I like that scene. And um then I don't every time I watch this, I almost forget uh the setting. And then there's yeah. one scene and it, where it, they it, show a road sign, and as soon as I saw that road sign, I'm like Fuck I forgot all about that. This was gonna happen.
1: And it's 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 done well. Now in in that you're watching this like these people have their life drama and it's this it's 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 not wartime. It's these soldiers like cramped up and they're 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 doing stupid just human things and then all of a sudden it's like within a minute in this movie all of that shit you like almost forget about it and yeah. it's like a flash yeah. and it's like suddenly everything is just like seems very insignificant that you've just watched right. and it's like you're, you're watching something that everything seems so heavy up until that point you know these guys getting drunk and fucking affairs and sex and and getting put in prison and then all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore and everybody's like a comrade in a way and you know Every, everything gets this new perspective in a in a flash.
2: Well, since, you know, now my mom and dad and of course my grandparents and stuff lived through this time. And the thing, the equivalent, like when I'm seeing this for me and how I felt or how they must have felt and everything was like uh nine eleven.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
2: you're just you're just sitting you're like, fuck a and, duck and then thinking back like, oh my God. Think about this and what's going on and all this shit and everything. Um, I liked how it ended. Um, I like the fact that they – I mean I'm sure this is – it's exactly how it was in the novel. Uh, Mm -hmm. But um, even (laughs) at the end, like I said, when Pruitt first meets Warden at the beginning – and they have that Iceman Maverick kind of moment. <laughs> Watch that. You tell me that there's not an Iceman Maverick moment there. <laughs> At the end, when Lancaster's saying all he had to do was box, you know, blah 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 blah. He has this moment, and the guys come up on the hill, and they're like Sarge, blah 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 blah, and he kind of has to gather himself. Mm-hmm. And now. <clears throat> I guess maybe since I am a disciple of the GGTMC, (laughs) I've had these things that I look for in movies that like, if I even say this shit to some of my friends, they're like "Oh, goddamn bullshit. But then when you go back and you read about the making of the movie or the novel or uh, people talking about it and how directors and writers would put subversive shit or sexual shit uh, in the movie to try and get away with as much as they could without like the studios, even knowing that Maverick and Iceman were fucking <laughs> homoerotic and all this and that. Uh, and people were like, hey, no, they were just cool. They were just they were macho. They weren't, you know, gay. But the guy that wrote, it's like, yeah, they're gay. I'm just going to sneak this in here. <laughs> these, these morons aren't going to notice And then the reason that they're liking it is because they're, you know, whatever. Warden at the end, when the stuff with him and the CO's wife, what happens there, he – I'm taken back to the – the movie cross of iron where max maximilian shell tells the guy you prefer the company of men to women in all, each in all occasions or whatever yeah and it's like warden kind of has all this and he's got this and everything but then he's kind of like wait a minute <laughs> And I, 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 I'm not saying that it's. I'm not saying that it's overt, and I'm not saying that Warden's sitting there going, "God damn, I just like to fuck the shit out of him." But I'm just saying that there, he had a connection with Pruitt, right? And it might not have been.
1: It might not have ever, ever, right? Uh, acted on said,
2: but there was a connection. It's almost like you yeah. know. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. There's a friendship there that it's like I don't know how to, you know, but I'm just saying. I think they purposefully in um, Ben Hur when Charlton Heston, Judah Ben Hur, and uh, Masala at the very beginning. They they haven't seen each other in years, and they and when they first meet. I even heard, I think, Heston and the guys, when they made the movie, they went up and they, they're they like, you know, give each other a hug. And the guy's like, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> and when you watch that movie and they give each other this fucking, they embrace passionately. And then when they let go, they have each other by the shoulders. They're looking at each other's eyes like Charlton Heston's like he's looking at a woman that he hasn't seen and that he's been pining for for years. And he sees her and he's like, oh, my God. And they put that in there, and it's there, and they admit they put it in there like that. And I'm telling you, <laughs> there's shit in here <laughs> that they put in there that they they the director or the writer or whatever put some shit in there between Warden and Pruitt. This connection, this this something. Do you there. know
1: what the, was the author or gay? Do you know?
2: I'm not sure. No, I don't know. No. But. Um, is that uh, okay? That's a screenplay. Okay, James Jones. Uh, no, I I think well, I'm, I shouldn't. I was just getting ready to say something about his daughter, but that doesn't mean shit. Um, but anyway, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I'm just saying that that uh, yeah, I think that they put stuff in into some of these movies, especially back in this time. Whereas nowadays, they would they could make it overt and nobody would give a shit. But
1: I'm Back. not sure, like in our next movie, that's touched on really at all.
2: <laughs> I think in this next yeah. but anyway, uh, that's all I have on it because, like I said, there's so, so so much stuff at the at the end that just you know culminates and everything. And
1: you 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 cover you covered quite a bit there, so I, I don't have a whole lot. But the um, that I did I did yes I did like that line with the the guy that runs the the dispensary or whatever. He's like, whoo, her and them sweaters. (laughs) That was pretty awesome. And she, um, Deborah Kerr was, she was a a, kind of a a coin toss for me in this. Like sometimes you look at her and she's like, she looked like a mom. And then sometimes, especially like when she was all wet and like, let me tell you, they must have had just buckets on, on – on the right on the side because every time it flashed back to her, she's still just dripping wet after like a five-minute conversation. She's not drying at all. She was dripping she was- wet
2: because she was there with Lancaster. <laughs> he could, I mean, tell you, this motherfucker is the kind of guy that like when he set his sights on her and, and he fucking put out his scent or whatever that he got her, <laughs> she would have done anything.
1: That didn't take long at all because she was kind of a bitch to him and – and she, but then all of a sudden she, he's like, "Well, I thought you wanted me to leave." She's like, "I don't know." Like, yeah, well, and he's. All, I
2: like when she's like, "You better get out. You you better come inside, or you're going to get wet." And he's like, "I am wet." <laughs> 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 she has like a raincoat. She's like, "Ah." Anyway, that was so awesome. It's but, just awesome to watch Lancaster just fucking. It's like a it's like a fucking bear, toying with a rabbit, like as Vince Vaughn said. In that no, with,
1: with Deborah Curry, it was like a salmon. There was no there was. not he just stood there with his mouth open, and she jumped in um but the uh he
2: was the master
1: <laughs> the the yeah, he loved taking his shirt off he's 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 shirtless quite a few times in this, and that I always thought like I said, this first time I'd seen it for some reason, I would just assume that that scene was gonna be near the climax of the movie, but it happens' like in the first twenty minutes um or maybe thirty but yeah, you it know does. they go it did happen sooner than I've, I remembered they go fuck on the beach and and so it didn't end like I thought. I mean, I knew the time period, but I didn't know it was going to end as it did. Um, thanks to this movie and Frank Sinatra, I now know, because I looked it up, that G-strings were first used in the 20s because he takes all his clothes off and he's going to go wait for his movie star and He's drunk on a park bench, and uh, uh, Pruitt's bringing him his clothes. And he, <laughs> and he said something about, give my clothes to the Indians. All they wear are G-strings. They need the clothes. I'm like, what? And he's. I, I thought maybe I was like maybe G strings were different. Then I looked it up. No, they were, mm-hmm. they were string underwear that they wore in the, during the jazz the jazz era uh, on stage. So, Ugh, but just
2: um, so, so gross in this.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I love I love that near fight. Probably that the bar scene there is probably where the movie kind of turned around for me because I, I didn't know what to expect from this, and it's kind of uh, almost. Besides the Pruitt stuff and like getting frustrated for him, the romance stuff—it's just like okay, it just felt like another '50s movie at a little first. Little dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the bar scene was de- definitely kind of a turning point, and fucking Lancaster with that broken bottle was so badass that you know I was just like, yes, this is, and, and and it just kind of turned around some there for me. And um, and something that's interesting now, Deborah Kerr, yeah, she her character had these moments where she would kind of like, she'd be kind of nuts for a second. Um, but what was interesting is that the main women in this, in, in this era of movie, what you typically see is the dude the dude being the cool, calm, whatever, and the women being hysterical. Mm-hmm. And it's the dudes being the total asshole, like, immature idiots in this. Yeah. And the two chicks in it are totally like, this is what I want, and this is how it's going to be. And, like, they... Like the only time they really show any overly emotion is when some guy starts fucking with them, you know, and, 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 you know, like don't leave or, you know, make up your fucking mind. Not, they're not just being ridiculous. So it was kind of an interesting little twist there and that the women were the, the level heads in this era of movie. So another, another example of this movie kind of, it's one of those movies that's contextually impressive. Yeah. Um, if this movie, like if this movie came out and now it'd be like, okay, it, it's just another movie. I think
2: so Conten- Mark Wahlberg would be playing. Yeah. Yeah. Relaying yeah. And I mean,
1: yeah, I wouldn't have the same faces obviously, but I don't know if <laughs> it would have the same oomph now because it's not, it's, it's, it's a different time. So
2: P- Pruitt would be like fucking, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> they really, know, they just
1: don't have the same They thing. really give him a fucking hard time. That that digging that hole was fucked up. They just telling to bury a newspaper, <laughs> and that that spit bucket was so gross. <sighs> I don't know, like, okay, I don't know what these boxers were spitting. Must have blood it fucking, in it too. Yeah, it, it looked like tobacco juice. It was yeah. thick. <laughs> it was disgusting. Um, okay, fatso, if it's a killing you want. Uh, so yeah, I think it's when, good.
2: When Warden tells the one guy, they're like all this. There's just chaos going on and explosions, all this stuff. And this one guy's Warden, don't go out there, you'll get killed or whatever. And he just looks at me, goes, "Put on your pants, you're gonna catch a cold."
1: <laughs> uh, so, well, we can do. We can get under our rating here for it. For it.
2: Oh, let's see. This is just a classic. This is all time classic. And you know, you have to consider the 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 time that it took place, which makes it even more interesting. Uh, the restrictions and shit that they had. Uh I still love it. I love Lancaster. Uh um I this isn't my favorite movie he's in, but he definitely shows his that he is a movie star. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's it's not as much the acting as just this fucker has so much charisma. It's just like it's like just dripping out. I mean, he has a fucking charisma like glowing charisma like when he those teeth are fucking shining and shit. <laughs> I would and uh, Montgomery Clift um two or three really iconic scenes. Mm-hmm. I would give this one an 8.0. point It is a little melodramatic, but yeah. they do say uh 8.75. Uh, I
1: give it um I'm a so when I first right after I saw it I felt I I was feeling 7. Mm-hmm. But after, after talking about it, it, and it's really the first half of the movie for me that really kind of slowed it down. But um, And talking about it now, definitely, it's probably like a 7.5 or 7.75 for me. And this is on first viewing. Um, I, I, the second half I like a lot more than the first half. And I'm curious to see if I re, when I revisit this in the future if I think it's even better than I do now. Because it's, it's definitely good performances, a lot of great, uh, you know actors and uh, I fucking hated Borgnine in it cuz he's such a dick.
2: So. Uh, I will say this. I would like to see a uh, this is not from here to eternity porn parody.
1: I w- there might there might already be a porn <laughs> parody of this. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd say I don't know. I, I got I I'm waffling. We'll say we'll go 7.5. 7.5 for me. <laughs> okay? All right. Let's take a break and come back and we'll talk about Emperor Of the North Pole? (laughs) We'll be right back. Okay, and welcome back to another episode of Guess That Riff. With me on the show tonight, my first contestant is Mr. Fred Nurk. Fred, are you ready to guess that riff?
0: I sure am.
1: Okay, here's riff number one.
0: Ah, that's It's a Long Way to the Top by ACDC.
1: Fantastic, Fred. Okay, here's riff number two.
0: Hmm,
4: that one is Eagle Rock by Daddy Cool.
1: Fantastic, you're doing great, Fred. Now, this one's a tricky one. Guess riff number three. Hmm,
4: that one is I Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. Fantastic, Fred. How did you know all those riffs? Well, I listened to Love That Album podcast. That's fantastic. Really? Uh, no, that's
0: what you told me to say, Dad.
1: Max, shh, I told you never to call me Dad during the promo. Go to lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or type in love that album or one word into iTunes. Listen to Love That Album. It might turn you into a rock geek. Or you might just con your son into making pitiful promos for your podcast. to synopsis
0: oh, driven to desperation
2: by the economic depression of the 1930s America a subculture of hobos hopped freight trains to get <laughs> from place to place in search of jobs <laughs> dear
1: it's kind of like what this not what this movie's about at all except.
2: Yeah, it's shorter it's, though it's the what? table
1: it's set on really um, that's really about it. This is, that's, um, so th- this, this movie is the, the majority of part story of this movie is, uh, a hobo, um, by the name of a number one, ja? a second hobo by the name of cigarette. And there are bets being made. Oh, and, and there's the, the train conductor shack. And bets are being made if a number one, who is this legendary hobo across the land, what a weird fucking movie this is, <laughs> can, can make it on Shaq's train all the way to Portland, Oregon. I don't know if they ever, did they ever say where they start?
2: Um, it can't be
1: too far, because that train doesn't go very fucking fast. But anyway, it's it's... It's 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 a significant different uh, distance for the time, and Shaq is uh, notorious for no free rides for anybody. I don't care who you are. So his his thing is goddamn is, hippies. Yeah, his <laughs> well goddamn goddamn lazy. Keith Carradine, you hippie,
2: fucking lazy welfare fucking fuckers want a free ride.
1: And his, so Shaq's thing, and Shaq is played by Ernest Borgnine. Now, this, Ernest Borgnine, this is 20 years after, uh, 20, uh, yeah, exactly, 20 years after From Here to Eternity, and he looks almost exactly the same, just with a couple extra wrinkles. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, but he is a, he thought he was a dick in From Here to Eternity. He's probably equally dicky, but you see him a lot more in this movie, <laughs> and he is obsessed. But, um... He, you know, his thing is like he'll fucking he'll smash you in the head for coming on your on his train yeah, without paying a fare. Yeah,
2: can you imagine <laughs> fucking crushing someone's skull?
1: I, while I the sandwich. Yeah, I, I mean, love my, the- my
2: my empathy factor. I could never be like a serial killer or a murderer or any kind of killer because I mean, I see somebody sitting there eating a sandwich, and I'm like, God, I get bash somebody's fucking brains in. Yeah, and
1: Jesus. it's it's a sweet intro to this movie because it's starting off, and I love the I love the text at the beginning. The um, <laughs> it, it's it, it might be better than the synopsis. Hang on. Um, Hobos roamed the land, riding the rails in a desperate search for jobs. Spurned by society, unwanted and homeless, they became a breed apart—nomads who scorned the law and enforced their own. Dedicated to their destruction was the railroad man who stood between them and their only source of survival, the train. <laughs> and um, it has a really sweet intro with with the train rolls in, and um, as is common through the movie, when the train rolls in, you start to see the hobos rustling because it's like, oh, here's my ride, and um, they pull into this little town, and so there's three or four hobos watching. Uh, is that a, is that even a proper term anymore? Is ho- I like the term hobo a lot, but is it is it is it bad to say it? Is it a
2: bad to say what?
1: Know, uh, hobo is that like a is that a derogatory term in any way? I don't think so. Okay, these homeless guys, um, the hobos are they're you know they're all watching from the bushes, and then you you know you see the pace happening the the the, the big boots on the ground, and it's a great moment because. All, when they realize that Shaq, Ernest Borgnine, it's like there's this respect and like they don't even move because they're all getting ready to get on the train and they see him walking and they're like, well, fuck that. Like they don't, Nobody says anything. And Ernest Borgnine gives them this little glance out of the corner of his eye as he's walking by and they just sit there watching him. They don't move. Except for one guy eating an apple who <laughs> obviously doesn't know who the fuck <laughs> Shaq is. So the train takes off. The number 19 and uh borgnine sneaks he's he sees the guy jump on the train just as it's leaving the station and he crawls up on the roof walks back the guy's sitting there between the two cars eating his apple and he pulls out a fucking mini sledgehammer <laughs> smashes the guy in the fucking head and it's i mean there was not a lot of gore well almost there was but and it was pretty graphic, though. I mean, like so the sadistic. guy's screaming, like, ah, yeah, and, and he's he starts getting drugged under the train, and, and then it fucking no, shows. Him.
2: There's no. It's not like self defense or anything.
1: No, it's just it's a straight harder. shot to the dome. The guy falls and he's totally cut in half by the train. There's his legs and his body hanging like on each side of the track, and that's how it starts. It's a pretty, uh, pretty great uh, little moment, and I love, <laughs> I love how everybody calls him Bo. <laughs> It's, instead of a hobo, it's a bow. And I don't know how many times Bork says in this movie, Goddamn Bo. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, what a dick. He uh <laughs> yeah. Um and then uh then you got um uh Lee Marvin. So we've set the character of Shaq and Lee Marvin plays A number one, the legendary the legendary bow. And um <laughs> uh <laughs> he's minding his own business i don't know he's just stolen a chicken from somewhere i don't know what he's gonna do with it because he's just sitting there he's some... a club. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> for some reason he doesn't he's not like the trick chicken doesn't try to run away it's just sitting there i feel sorry for this fucking chicken <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, uh keith carradine um keith carradine yeah, yeah. um He's watching from the trees, and he gets these two kids, and they want to steal his chicken. They see him with the chicken, and he tries to create a diversion. And um, and I feel like I've seen this before with Marvin not giving a shit who he hits in a movie, <laughs> 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 but he really wallops these two little kids with the chicken a few times and Do just pushes them You remember Terry the ground?
2: Funk having yeah. like two chickens, like they were plucked and raw. <laughs> And he had one on each fist and was like beating the shit out of somebody. I, I swear to that. God, he and he was just like had it on each fist and had his arms straight out and was like just windmilling kind of. I can't remember what who the fuck that that was. WCW shit, but <laughs> two wet, sloppy, soggy chickens.
1: And this this one wasn't a wet, sloppy, soggy this chicken. This a, chicken. This is a live chicken. This is a live chicken. You know
2: what's fucked up with a chicken when you hold it upside down by its legs? It just fucking. It's like it's dead i mean it's not dead but yeah they don't even he'll, move
1: yeah he'll put it down and it's looking around and at one point he puts it down and it fly i mean it flaps its wings and runs away from him so i don't know if they were drugging this chicken or, i felt bad for it though. i
2: wonder if Peta fucking went berserk when oh it's my god
1: nice. um so yeah i mean you don't see there's no chicken blood but it's definitely the the chicken definitely didn't have a good day that day i'll just say that <laughs> um, bad
2: day on the set for the chicken
1: <laughs> yeah. Um so after uh he escapes with his chicken, um he beats up Carradine and the two kids with the chicken and uh he runs off and he and the train is leaving, the number nineteen. So uh Shaq has already clubbed the one dude and maybe this is the next station. Um but uh you know uh, uh, Marvin says fuck this, gets out of there, jumps on the train, but cigarette Keith Caradine, he's right behind him. Ugh, and doosh. and A number 1, uh Lee Marvin is he, he's a pro and he knows how to get on this train. He gets on just fine. He uh crawls in, does his thing, but Carradine, has to he's always on the fucking heels and he's always doing something just just enough wrong to fuck things up. <laughs> he's such a he's a frustrating fucking character. Um but of course, Shaq is up on top of the train and sees, uh, he sees Carradine hopping on. Goddamn, Bo hopped right on there. <laughs> <laughs> and Carradine is fucking gangly in this movie. He is gangly. He has oh, long he's very... legs and, yeah. Um,
2: and all teeth. I mean, just fucking annoying. Yeah,
1: yeah. And he, uh, and, um, 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 Fuck, almost said Marvin. Uh, Borgnine Nine, uh, or Shax. I'll call him a Shack, picks up his sledge and starts walking back again through the coal. And uh, I love the two conductors. The one black dude's really funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, he's going to be a mean son of a bitch now. And the other guy's like, well, what was he before?
2: <laughs> yeah, they have some really good character. Right? This yeah. movie and the last one has some really good
1: character. Right? Oh, this movie it's is full of them so. because... There is not – well, this is a very this is a very masculine movie. I don't think there's one chick in the whole movie. Um,
2: well, yeah, the one that's shaving her armpits. Oh, the one sha- –
1: <laughs> That was so out of the
2: blue. I'm like, why is she standing in the middle of this train naked? It must have been
1: the bathroom, armpits. but I don't know why she had the window open. Yeah. It must have been hot in there after her shower or whatever she just did.
2: Haven't you ever seen anybody shave before? <laughs> I love how Marvin talks. I mean, yeah. it's like – he's got like the swagger or something though, the way he talks.
1: He's a, it, he always plays Lee Marvin. Doesn't have the most range of all of any actor out there. He plays a certain character a lot, yeah. but it's always good to me. <laughs> I, I yeah, like he's, him. A he's
2: got lot. a character and a charisma too. Yeah. Just,
1: but yeah, you're you, you're right. This this it, it is it's totally full of just character faces. There's uh, Mel from Alice's Diner. <laughs> there he shows up. There's some other dudes I just recognized, and I was I couldn't put quite put my finger on where from.
2: There's a bunch of those guys where you'll just be like, oh, that's so and so, you know, but you don't know their names.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's mostly a three man show with Carradine and Borgnine and Marvin but it's like everyone in the movie just looks like worn and leathery well, except i mean except for Carradine. he's a, he's a baby face so yeah. but um but yeah really good faces throughout um but uh they you know instead of fucking with the two of them they're in this this wooden car uh, Marvin has hidden in there and Carradine follows him in. And that's where, that's where Borgnine sees him is lowering the door. And instead of like jumping down there with him, he just locks them in and he's going to deal with them later, I guess. Um, And uh, you know, a number one is trying to, you know, get the fuck away from me. Leave me alone. What are you doing? You're fucking me up. Um, But he doesn't seem very, uh, very worried. He knows he's been here before, yeah. and his method of escape—I don't want to even want to spoil that—but it's pretty ingenious. <laughs> and pretty his dang- laugh when, when he's what's that? It's
2: pretty dangerous. I mean, I'll yeah, it is. God. Ugh.
1: Yeah. What, what does he have to lose? He's fucking like sixty and living a life like a where he's on a train. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But uh, I love his like his, his like cackling laugh as he's creating this <laughs> issue <Yeah.
3: laughs>
1: and he's like fanning oh sorry he's uh
2: <laughs> the fart that he let in the thing yes yes with the chicken yeah
1: <laughs> but um Did
2: that chicken fart or was that you
1: so he 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 busts out of this car before the train stops and the it it's a pretty great scene rolling in there and like everybody's freaking out like um well i could say what it is He he'd started a fire because i have to say there's this one dude trying to put out the fire, and fucking Borgnine gives him the gives him some shit later on. But the one that was he, laughing, he's la- well, oh no, okay, yeah. There's that guy laughing. Maybe it was the other guy. He Borgnine doesn't talk to this guy. He's just throwing handfuls of sand at this like raging fire. <laughs> he's
2: still talking like just pinches of sand. Like he's yeah, it like salt on something like a pinch.
1: <laughs> he wasn't even like he wasn't just dumping a bucket on it. He had a bucket of sand under one arm, and he was throwing like a girl, just like throwing sand. <laughs> On into in onto the a wall that's burning. Yeah, did nothing at all, I'm sure. But uh, they the, of course Carradine is being one step behind. He has to do the same thing, and he gets picked up by the yard workers at this place where the, the train is now where the nineteen has now had to stop. Uh, Marvin is nowhere to be found, but Carradine starts laying his tall tale that that he was the one on the train first and that you know these guys are like what are you doing on that train and blah blah blah. They're kinda holding him it's not not a law enforcement type thing, but maybe they're getting ready to call the cops or kick his ass for being a goddamn beau but uh <laughs> but um the uh, I love that scene when um you know when they hear these guys are like, well, I don't know, you know they they think that maybe uh maybe cigarette is what he says he is, but they start making these bets, but when they find out that um that Marvin, that A number 1 is the other guy. They're like, you know, the interest changes. Yeah. And this is where they start making bets and everything because Marvin makes this proclamation once he hears that Carradine's talking shit and whatever. He makes his proclamation and he's going to be, you know, he's proud of his uh proud of his Bodom. And, <laughs> and he says, "I'm I'm riding on the 19 all the way to Portland." Like, there's no fucking way. And I don't know how much history there is to that, but it was kind of neat how They would write, like, the message on the water towers and stuff, like, uh, uh, A number number one on the 19th. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how much, I've never, I don't know the history of it at all, so I don't know if that's accurate or not. But it was, it was a kind of a, an interesting thing. And if you're, if you're a train guy, too, there's a lot of cool, like, train moments in this as well, like a lot of under, under the car stuff and, um, you know, pushing the carts. I was just talking about that, the Burke Lancaster movie, The the Train, the other day. Mm -hmm. But, um, some cool stuff there and uh with the you know, it's a steam engine, really old one. So But um it's a great moment in there when all of them are making bets on whether the guys they, they can make it all the way to Portland. And you see all these hands coming in with all this money and there's a cool camera angle, and all of a sudden this giant leather mitt just <laughs>
2: poof,
1: slams down in the middle of this ha- circle of hands. And it pans up, and fucking uh, Shaq is standing there just giving him all the stink eye.
2: Like a fucking monster, like the oh devil God. or something.
1: He is horrifying. And Carradine is sitting there, and he's trying to be all cocky. He's like, yeah, I was on your train, motherfucker. What are you going to do about it? And
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best scenes. Oh, my God, I love when
1: Borgnine fucking, I don't know if he really did this or not. Carradine is sitting in a chair. And instead of what you'd normally see, a dude coming over and grabbing somebody's collar and like picking them up in his face, Borgnine picks him up in his face, but he's picking up the entire chair with the carradine sitting in it, yelling in his face. And then he slams the chair back on the ground and it shatters and he's falling on his ass. And it <sighs> was a really, that was an awesome moment. Uh, that,
2: uh, Would I mean, uh, that would just make you piss your fucking pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ.
1: Um,. But uh, and, and, and everybody just is silent I mean, you know, Shaq is this big, scary dude. Nobody thinks. And they, all these guys are making bets. Some people think a number one is going to make it all the way to Portland. Some of them think that uh, that Shaq is going to win like he always does. And it becomes a thing. And Shaq knows he's going to do it. A number one doesn't care. Um, now, they don't know what each other looks like at first. So, you know, Borgnine doesn't know who he's looking for. Now, uh, obviously, a number one knows who Shaq is because everyone knows who Shaq is because he's coming through the same areas all the time. But, um, but the, when the when the face off finally starts, you know, it's 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 night or whatever, and then the following morning, it's 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 go time, and this is where the this is the big chunk of the movie. Now you've established the characters, and this has becomes like the the chess match with with the two. You no, know, I almost said the two queens because that's like the the, yeah. the that's like the master of the chessboard. They're not two queens at all. Like this is a, this is a uh, well, they could, they
2: might be. You know. Not, well, yeah, no, no. they um, might have wrote something in there like that, and people just don't tell. But I can see it.
1: Well, yeah, they got the two the two guys playing chess, <laughs> and then you got the one fucking checker, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the he's checker, a checker piece. Checker, right? Yeah, <laughs> wait, wrong game, asshole. Um, but um. It's a fantastic scene with the foggy train yard, and, and Borgnine's like, well, fuck, I'm just going to end the game now. And he speeds out of this train yard, like like, uh, which is not smart, especially when it's foggy, because he can't see where the hell he's going. There's a mistake made. There's a great, great scene with two trains passing each other. and um,
2: Well, they were shitting themselves because, you know, that's the one thing when you – even like on the news if you see like where there's a a a train wreck i mean it's it's horrific there's so much weight and 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 the train is so long and everything and people i mean there could be hundreds of people get killed or whatever and so when this something was going to happen i mean everybody on that train even though all this shit's going on just immediately stops and like Oh my fucking god. You know, this is this is like, you know, a uh, atomic bomb's going to go off. You know, we got to do something.
1: Yeah, and these two trains heading for each other. All they can they can only hear each other. It's so foggy. Uh but that was that was a cool moment. It was really fucking gross when uh Marvin shaves that burn off of his arm yeah. with a straight razor. That was pretty disgusting. Um but it's just like this back and forth and and You know, Marvin finds ways to get the train to stop. And he, you know, he seems like he's going to give up a few times, but always ends up back on the train. And, uh, and Karen, always fucking right there behind him. Like I can do it just as good as you. Um, yeah, (laughs) he's annoying
2: jackass,
1: (laughs) but, um, hell yeah. What's the matter? Ain't you ever, haven't you never seen somebody shave before? That was a funny moment. Um, and it's, 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 it has at times like that. Oh, brother, where art thou? Type feel. These guys kind of doing this this journey in a weird. time. Oh, you know, it's it's this this time is foreign to us, but like, nothing about it is is familiar because it's like it's it's near wilderness, you know. And then and riding trains and stuff like that is just something that you just probably don't see so much anymore. I but. could
2: see the Cohen brothers making a movie like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be funnier and it would be different.
1: It would it's... have to be it would have to be a Cohen brothers type thing because yeah. when I said this is a weird movie, it, I mean it is to think. Like you know, now it's like we're going to make a movie about this superhero team and they're in outer space yeah. and they're trying to stop this demigod from uh building the infinity gauntlet Pitch this or movie. or <laughs> We've got two hobos, see, and they're going to, they're going to make a bet and they're going to try to ride all the way across Oregon state to Portland.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> um, I, I love the scene when, uh, when, uh. They're they're stealing clothes, but to do so, they have to get baptized. Oh my god, that was funny! Yeah. That woman with a see-through <laughs> shirt. He's like, "Have you sinned, brother?" And all he could say, he just basically like admits to sinning right he's as he's like, staring right Jesus at her kids.
2: Christ. <laughs> yes, let Jesus come into your life.
1: Uh, now, Tim and our group was saying the there's a, there's a fight that happens on a train car. He was saying it took 36 days to film.
2: Well, I think they were, yeah, yeah, on the flat car at the end.
1: Now, why would the only thing I could think of that that would take thirty six days is that Marvin was so fucking drunk he couldn't Probably. like stand upright on it.
2: Um, I just right before we went on air, um, I don't know if it was Borgnine's son did like a documentary where because I guess Borgnine had a big like Winnebago or one of those big buses, and he uh-huh.
3: would.
2: I mean, you know, you would think movie star he would be. In the back of the thing, like Hulk Hogan, while some guy chauffeurs him around in this big bus. But Borgnine's actually driving the bus. And I, guess, I don't know if he's driving across America or what. And it's on YouTube in clips. And he's asking him all of these questions about the movies, uh, From Here to Eternity, this movie and everything. And he did say it took like 36 days to shoot that final fight scene. He said that they shot it in like uh, in bits and pieces and... Said something about the you know that they actually hit each other several times for real, real and you know about the axe, they hit they dulled the axe so it basically, you know it was almost like the the blade of it was completely. There's there's some se- serious
1: tempera paint blood in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but I, I I don't you know like you said I'm sure Marvin was probably fucking drunk a lot and. <laughs> Just the just the logistics of, and and, and all the, the just the how difficult it would be to shoot the angles without seeing the camera, and you'd have to have something kind of uh, platform, kind of maybe tied off the side, on, of, off the train, the side like of the kind, train, like some kind,
1: it probably like a crane, or and like a, move, one of those yeah, it boom it arms or something, yeah.
2: Um, um not to mention. You see several times in this movie where uh, Marvin, uh, Carradine, and Borgnine are walking, uh, or you know, walking or walking really fast across the top of this train. And those trains, man, when they're moving, they're shaking around and everything. And it really looked
1: like I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what kind of stunt double work they did. Carradine had to have stunt double because there's a fucking couple times where his guy, that tumble down the hill looked fucking yeah. brutal. And another time with hanging off the train and like off that bridge looked pretty fucking scary. God, that was um, the
2: piss out of me. Just how high up those guys. Yeah. Oh, and he's trying but, to shimmy, and then and then how he's he's like shimmying down, and you know that wood's just so fucking uh, like splinters and <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, he's but part uh, of people like you said about uh, Marvin getting that's one thing about being on these trains too is the is the uh, live steam. You know, uh, there's like a couple of occasions where people get burned, scalded yeah. through their clothes. I mean, it's so hot.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, this one, one of the, one of the engineers, while Marvin's trying to get away, this is pretty early on. The, the burn I was talking about pulls one of the hoses yeah. and just like shoots him with the, I don't know if it was the, or was it the caboose guy that shot him with the steam? I couldn't remember who think it was. I that
2: might've been the caboose guy. Because that the guy, guy, the caboose guy, and Shack were the two main guys that were trying to.
1: Cracker is his name, Charles Tyner, who has been in a lot of shit, and he's eating,
2: eating that sandwich when they were talk when uh, cigarette was talking about how, <laughs> at the beginning, and he's like laughing, he's like hee hee and he's got like crumbs all over his face.
1: He's one of those dudes that I've seen in so many things, and I could probably never ex- yeah. name exactly where it's like a Weasel. Here we go. Known for Harold and Maude, Cool Hand Luke, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Outlaw Josie Wales. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So he's been in a lot of shit. Man, Cool Hand Luke. We should review that. That's a great fucking movie. Um, so, and I had just seen it for the first time last year. I think it was one of it was up near the top of my first time watches. Um, but the Shack character Borgnine, he's great in this. Like he's such a bastard. I love that he uses these like old school vicious weapons. The fucking mini yeah. sledge, the the chain, which is always brutal, um, and the one really ingenious one. I don't know what that thing is. It's like a railroad spike, but it has a loop on it. Yeah. And he it's ties, like
2: I think it's like a weight uh I've seen something like that before i can't remember don't know what the fuck it was used for but
1: yeah it's it's silver and it's about the size of your forearm it's this big metal like shiny thing with and it's it's pointed on one and it has a loop on the other and he ties a a rope to it, so the way they get around it because they're tired of fighting with with Shaq, is they hang out underneath the train on the little the platforms that sit underneath the the poles and stuff, yeah. And Shaq has a way to get rid of guys down there too. He gets between the cars and he put he ties a rope to this spike thing and he lets it drag on the ground. And by the time it gets now, it, the logistics of this are probably impossible to aim it right, but it's still kind of a neat idea just for cinematically anyway. He it bounces around, and by the time it gets to them, it's hitting the rocks and stuff and hitting the tracks, yeah. um, and it bounces up and just keeps hit, like just. Hitting them in the back, like you hear them, like carotins, like ah, ah, God, you know, and and it's just to kind of knock them, like make it so, so uncomfortable they don't want to stay there. Well, or, things almost are...
2: like fishing. He just he just lets it go and starts letting the string out a little at a then... time until he starts hearing somebody yelling, and,
1: then and then he then just he laughs right there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but this,
1: it's just oh man, it's 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 a it's a neat bizarre little movie with you know. Depression era movies have done well, or uh, they're they're a thing of their own because they're such a it's such a unique setting.
2: Kind of like a well, we reviewed Boxcar Bertha. So yeah, around the same time and the yep, trains yep. and you know,
1: yep. That's a blast uh, what did from you... the
2: silver and gold past. <laughs> what
1: did you think of this? Oh well, yeah, that was really early. Except
2: on. Except it didn't have uh, Barbara Hershey's tits in it.
1: Oh no, it didn't it didn't have anybody's tits yeah, in. Yeah, this
2: was a macho fucking manly movie. This is my maybe one of the most macho movies ever fucking made. <laughs> um
1: it's dirty, it's sweaty, it's hairy. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's just it's like you said an odd movie. The one thing I like is I I wonder um you were saying you wonder how much, you know, of of it's like real stuff, but Some of the stuff that they come up with. Now, I know that there's been several books written about, uh, um, you know, guys riding the rails and shit. There's there's even some that are like more modern day. But the little techniques, Mm -hmm. like you said, with Shaq with the rope with the weighty thing on it, bouncing up and down, hitting the guys, Marvin showing just these little tricks. He, at first, Carradine doesn't know shit. He's, he's a wannabe, he's a douche, and Marvin sees that right away. He's a braggart, he's, he just like, uh, um, tells all these bullshit stories, and it's all, you know, it's just all shit, and, and, um, he'll be following Marvin around, and there's just little things like, uh, when they, 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 uh, are on top of a train or underneath the train, Marvin would use his belt, he would, like, wrap, he, he'd all right. Put his belt around a piece of metal, and and then hook it, latch it like you would normally latch your belt. So when he's riding like that, whether it's on top or underneath, he doesn't have to like hang on the entire like he, like I was saying how the train just shake, shake, shake. It would probably be hard as hell to to hold on, but he could do that, and then he could just go to sleep. <laughs> and he wouldn't have to worry about falling off. Whereas Carradine doesn't know anything about. And I love when Marvin did that on top of the train. And Carradine looks down, and and he all he's got on is suspenders, so he can't do it anyway. <laughs> and uh, he he the, I never thought about this, I forgot or I forgot about this scene when they were. I remembered them doing the thing with the belt, but later on, they're riding on top of the train. It's pouring down the rain, and like I said, Marvin can just take a nap. You know, he's just up there because he's not going to fall. He's hooked on. And Carradine's having to hang on, and he starts to fall asleep because of the. It's almost like a fan, or when you're in the car, the humming of the tires, how it makes you, you can just start drifting off, sleeping. And Marvin says, Don't listen to the wheels, you know. Uh, (laughs) And he goes, If you start feeling yourself fall asleep, look down over the side and look at those wheels. And he said, That'll fucking wake your ass up. The thought of (laughs) getting like uh, cut in half by those son of a bitches. I like how everybody at the rail yard hate shack behind his back, <laughs> but like they are always talking shit on him. They hate his guts. But when he comes in, they shut the fuck up because they know that he probably fucking beat the shit out of, uh, out of uh, all of them. Um, I love, like you said, the scene where he puts, they, they're putting the money on the hands and he puts it fucking yeah, down the, on top. Mid leather,
1: big leather mitt.
2: Like, ugh, Cause they all just start shitting themselves. And you know, like Vic Tavak. Who played Mel on Alice? Mm-hmm. He seems like a pretty, you know, big guy and gruff guy and everything. But he even just like he's always talking shit. But as soon as Shaq comes in, and Shaq does not joke, he does not fuck around. Right. His pleasure comes from fucking,
3: <laughs> <bashing> <laughs> from fucking with those.
2: In. Yeah, and I like when he goes over before it, they have the big showdown, and he's like, "Okay, he's going to ride, and I'm going to stop him." And it's going to be the big showdown uh, going on this train. He even, the guy says, do you want to, do you want to highball it out of the rail yard? And he's like, no, because he wants him to get on the train and they're going to have this showdown. He goes over to the, to the wall and he's like, picks up one hammer and he kind of checks the heft of it. And he puts it back and then he goes and picks up a, a different one. Like he's getting ready. You know, I love the chain thing.
1: He's not opposed to throwing his damn hammer either. Yeah. He throws it once that. and hits Carradine right in the forehead. He throws it and hits hits, hits Marvin in the like ribs. Fucking
2: four fucking Fortnite. <laughs> and um there's a couple of things like that where uh um at the end, the fight thing at the end, it could have just been like um I don't know, Clint Eastwood and William Smith or something where they're just duking it out, punching. Yeah. But it's not. It's um
1: I don't think they threw one punch the whole time. Yeah,
2: it's like clever things. Like Marvin keeps hitting him in the knees with like a with a, either the hammer or the or board, board, board yeah, or something. Wood, yeah. The chain thing always reminds me of like a fucking Ivan Koloff Russian chain match. <laughs> and he gets Marvin up against the thing and has it around his neck and is like choking him.
1: Magnum TA hanging Nikita over the top rope.
2: <laughs> I love when Borg9 grabs... Um, after he smashes Carradine down in the chair... He grabs him by the neck, but he, it's not like he's choking him. He's got him by, like, the trapezius. Like, he's got the clamp on either <laughs> side. Like, uh, what was the thing in uh, Paradise Alley? He, they, they had the ice clamp. Yeah, yeah. Just grab you by the sides of those muscles from your neck to your shoulders, and you just squeeze him. And he's just like, Ur! And he's fucking his – he looks like – Carradine looks like he's looking into the face of death when Shaq has him Is just like, Ur! and And I've – would have loved if they would have had Carradine have a big piss stain when Shaq picks him up in that <laughs> chair and is just holding him like up against looking right in his eyes and he's like, you fucking piece of shit. Um I like the hobo camp because they they have this like uh, like I said, like a little subculture.
1: Yeah. They I mean have there's their... an understanding and it's like there's yeah. like a hierarchy and it gets almost like it's like the code. It's like almost like a uh, it, it gets like a, a mentor kind yeah. of status, where it's like, well, maybe you need to do this first, and it's like this, this the steps to becoming a number one.
2: <laughs> it's kind of almost like a gypsy camp, mm-hmm. uh, like King of the Gypsies. We reviewed that, um, where they have their their unspoken, uh, you know, rule f- like rule of thieves. You know the shit you do, the shit you don't do. Like the guy comes in and he's like, uh, you know, let, let's let's share our shit with him. You know, Marvin brings in a f- the fucking thing with Simon Oakland, where Marvin steals a turkey, and Simon Oakland's a cop that's patrolling the the rail yard, and he sees him. And now there was one part there at the, at the end where I th- I thought, man, Carradine is kind of being an asshole. It wasn't kind of being an asshole. He was being an asshole. (laughs) But then I remembered back to the thing with the steel and the turkey, and Marvin pretty much fucks him over to get away. But Simon Oakland chases Marvin and Carradine down in this hobo camp, and he's a cop. Now I don't know if he had a gun or not, but it wouldn't really matter because I mean there was a shitload of hobos down there, including Sid Haig.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw Sid. I was waiting to see. I was waiting for the Sid Haig spotting because I saw his name in the yeah. opening credits.
2: In uh, he didn't have but much he did, to do, but I mean, yeah, he had know. a
1: hat on too, so you couldn't tell that he was had his head shaved if he did.
2: In uh, um, Marvin, he's the kind of guy that uh, like all the other hobos look up to, and he knows how to get over with them. Like when uh, the cop is down there and they have this cop so outnumbered, the cop like runs – it's like he's chasing him and he forgets and he walks into the this den of thieves and there's probably about 30 of them there. And Marvin fucks with him on purpose, and he'll look over and he doesn't really wink, but he almost looks over at the guys and kind of gives them a wink, like, "Watch how I'm gonna fuck with this guy." And he has like <laughs> barking like a dog. Which is funny, that's not a turkey; it's a dog. And uh, you know, and and you can tell that that uh, a number one's kind of world weary, yeah. even though he blusters and he has his own bullshit that he tells, like he'll come in and tell a story about, you know, and, 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 uh, even the other, um, hobo that said, uh, you need to get off the road and, you know, be like me and settle down. He was like the king of the hobo camp. Um, a number one comes in and that guy sort of says the same thing. He's like, you know, I've met presidents. I've, I've, uh, um. Uh, Seen the elephant like in Chicago. I've seen the elephant. I've met presidents. I've ate with kings and queens. And, and honest to God, now that I say that, I remember Dusty Rhodes saying that, you know, <laughs> I've ate with kings and queens, baby.
1: Dying on pork and beans. Yeah,
2: stepping out of it, and dying on pork and beans too, baby. Uh so Dusty Rhodes could have been a number one, except he was too fat to climb the train. Yeah.
1: He um, wouldn't be able to fit on the little pipes underneath the train.
2: now and every time you hear the the fucking name uh the, they call him The Shack or Shaq or The Shack. I think, you know, if it was modern day, they could have Shaquille O'Neal. And he could have, like, the big hammer that he used in uh, that movie Steel. Steel. Uh, ugh, barf. And Will Smith would be like, a hey, never one. So anyway, uh, Carradine is he, – he's got that annoying nasally voice. Yeah. And now there was – st- Big old teeth. There was a stuntman thing in this, and I don't know if it was when – Um maybe when Shaq gets kicked off the train and this motherfucker goes off backwards and lands on his back and folds up like an accordion, his legs come up and all (laughs) it's like hitting him in the fucking face and, and goes rolling. It's like, Jesus Christ, that could not have felt fucking good. Some of those stuntmen, you know, and you watch things about stuntmen, they do shit. It's like, God damn. Um, Again, just the, logistics of shooting the cinematographer had they I mean I don't know how they planned this out the train's fucking almost always been you have several scenes where they're not on the train they're either in the in the station and, and where all the workers are or like in a hobo camp or that that one scene where marvin uh um him and Carradine I think it might have been when Carradine climbs down the big railway bridge. Um, and he finds Marvin like and
1: sitting in this in his quote unquote castle, and there's just all this throne.
2: garbage everywhere. Yeah. It's like what the fuck! <laughs> but I like when he starts again. He, he at first he's not showing Carradine shit how to do stuff. He's just doing it, and it's, and it's interesting seeing how clever they could be. Then when he actually starts showing Carradine how to do now, things, and what do you did
1: think do. did the characters did he start showing Carradine how to do stuff? because he started to feel almost fatherly to him? Or was he like, this guy's not going to fucking leave me alone, so I'm going to get him to help me so I can fucking finish this trip and then well, just dump him when I can?
2: When you think about it and and that they're <laughs> pretty much all cons and thieves, what you just said probably is more like it. But every time I watch it, I always thought that he kind of starts uh, – wanting to pass down his knowledge to the younger guy. Yeah. And then, like I said, I, I always thought, you know, Carradine kind of fucks him over, but then, like I said, looking back on it, even before that, Marvin kind of fucked him over with the cop. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, honor among thieves amongst thieves is, uh, you know, kind of a thin line. That's another,
1: that's another dusty Rhodes uh, promo. Yeah. You thieves.
2: you're, you're, you know, uh, who, who to trust. And uh, they're, they're obviously not, they're only using you uh, to, they're, you know, they're, it's all about survival. So, you know, I don't know, but um, that's about it. I can't really think of anything. I know that they said that they took a diesel uh, train, a diesel uh, engine and they, they modified it or something to be a, um, Coal-powered, uh, like they actually have to shovel coal in the in the thing to 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 get the steam and everything. And then, like uh, we, I said something about Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid a little while ago. But uh, in some of those movies, they would. Um, I, what, I watched one the other day, and uh. they were talking about modifying a train because they had to get a, a newer train, and they stacked up the wood. I uh, can't remember what one it was though, but it, it was it was more like in the old west where they they would use wood and they'd have to throw wood in the thing. But mm-hmm. this was uh, they were shoveling coal. And like I said, I love the part where the where the they uh, he set him up in the fog with the other train and he yells at uh, a number one. He's like, "Do you hear that? That's another train coming." And you know, do you know what's going to happen? Like, hey motherfucker, this isn't funny anymore. This is you know there's people can get killed during and Marvin has done all this on purpose because he knows, you know, that they're going to panic and freak out and everything. So I like that. And, uh, I think that some of the, the Shaq has this reputation and, you know, it's, it's, uh, like a big thing for him. And when the other guys start laughing, like, you know, especially when he thought he, he got him off the train and then they hitch another train. And that get, was cool. Yeah, because when I first watched this, I I thought somehow when they put the grease on the stuff on the track,
1: I thought they were doing like the in the movie in the Lancaster movie when they when he basically crawled a mountain and get to the other side. I thought he was trying to get back on the same train. Yeah,
2: I thought it was. I was like, oh, wait a minute, how the hell did they get on the same? How that train was still going. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe they stopped for water or something or they went over, like you said, over a mountain on to, uh, before the tra- train got there or something. But then when I was watching it, uh, the – on the train that Shaq was on, the, the fireman or whatever in the engine was the African-American guy. And when they got on that one, it was a passenger train and there was yeah. a Caucasian guy up there. And then like you said, when you saw the the train, the ones that Shaq did were just like trains that uh, – carried cargo and the one that him and Carradine were on top of where he hooked his belt on that handle on the top was a passenger train that's where the chick was shaving her armpits but uh, naked. <laughs> Carradine they, of course young guy he's like Jesus Christ. I love Marvin when the girl was getting baptized because he that was just, great like fucking trying to look down like he's praying or whatever but he's just staring at her tits <laughs>
1: so,
2: anyway that's all I have
1: Cool. Um, Oh yeah, I guess that was the other because I said there was no chicks in it. So there's 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 see through shirt and there's shaving the armpits. I
2: can't believe that this one is not on Netflix. It's not on Amazon. It's not on anything. Yeah. I think that they do have it now. I remember when it wasn't even on DVD. I mean, I said I I have it on VHS, but it was like a forgotten classic there for a while. So
1: it's a cool little movie. Um. Uh. I again. I had never. I had. I'd only heard of this just from doing this show. I think I think uh, Dave Mack had mentioned this one before, um, poss- possibly. I feel like it, um, but I didn't know what it was about. Um, so I was going in pretty cold to this. So it was a pleasant surprise today. It's a definitely a macho movie. It's 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 quirky. It's it's kind of unusual, um, but it's 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 fun. Um, it's got some funny moments and Marvin just, even, even when he was looking tired by the seventies, um, still loved watching him like, like again, in the, in the big red one that I watched again, same thing. I mean, he looked really old in that one and, and, but still like even, even hardly saying anything, he just, he had something, he had such a good screen presence and he does here too, as a as a hobo so they
2: know it's like him and steve mcqueen and some of those guys they might not have been the greatest actors in the world yeah but they know how to act without speaking Mm -hmm. how to move how to and maybe not over exaggerate things but just to give it a little wink or a little (laughs) kind of you know swagger with his head or something like that and it's that charisma i i one thing that i heard on the uh the thing where Borg and I was driving the big Winnebago thing is, uh, he was a- asked about Marvin, you know, and he said that the g- guy said, "Well, you know, were you, did you get along with Lee Marvin and everything?" Because there's some people that said that they didn't, you know, because he was drunk or whatever yeah. on set. And he said Lee Marvin was like one of his best friends, and hmm. when he heard that he died, it really fucked. It really hurt him, and he he said that um, uh, basically that, you know, he really liked the guy and that he was a great guy and everything. liked being around him. But, uh, I don't know if I want to say he's, he said it was his own fault that he died, but he said, you know, he had it in his, in his own hands and he wouldn't quit smoking. And he said, that's what killed him. And, and Borgnine said that, um, he was a five pack a day cigarette smoker when he was younger and he got a, um, some kind of, a Something on his uh, neck, on his like uh, n- nodes or something.
1: Yeah, and not... he had
2: to have an operation, have him removed, and he said it fucked his voice up. Because he said when I was younger, he said I was like a foghorn, you could hear me a mile away. And he said, you know, once he had that operation, he said as soon as he had that, he quit smoking, you know, cold turkey. And Marvin didn't, and that's yeah. what, what killed him. But I'm sure that if the if the smoking wouldn't have killed him, the fucking sure the cirrhosis
1: him. of the liver. Yeah, did. Jesus. Um, I give this a uh, 7.75 very solid movie had a lot of fun with it uh, and it'll be revisited surely it's it's definitely a recommend
2: I give it an eight I this is a like I said it's a classic and I'm glad that people are you know rediscovering it I think it's one of those ones that was forgotten because I don't think it really did well uh, yeah. in the theater or anything or you know uh, I, I, I don't know if it lost money or what but uh, now that Marvin has become such an icon and uh this, this it's a different kind of
1: role for him he's yeah. not a criminal he's not like the 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 badass criminal and he's not the the war hero it's a it's a different kind of role so
2: and it's it's, it's cool. just an it's it's an iconic it's a classic uh when you when people say something about this movie and and you're like well what's about well, you know all you have to do is show some still photos of borg nine with that chain <laughs> fighting or with that hammer yeah I think the first time I heard about this maybe was on um, the website Ruthless Reviews, and they were saying this is like the most macho fucking movie that nobody had ever heard of, and uh, it was not – it might have been on VHS at the time, or I think it was out of print, and I – I ferreted it out. That was back before the internet and I found, or no, it was during the internet cause I was on their website, but I found it, watched it. and I was like, God damn, man, this is a macho ass fucking movie. <laughs> it's great.
1: It's a good one. I don't cool. know if
2: chicks would like it, but, uh, dudes. Yeah, it's
1: not, uh, not a lot to, not a lot to go on, on the feminine side of things, unless you just like seeing dirty dudes fight each other. So
2: dirty dudes.
1: Yep. All right, let's take a break and come back and do some, uh, feed sacking. Okay. We'll be right back.
0: The following message is a paid advertisement for the Cult of Muscle podcast. The Cult of Muscle. You're either in it or you're dead. It's the dawning of a new age. The halls of Valhalla have been shuttered. The heroes of yore have either retreated to the shadows or taken to capering for the amusement of the small folk. Their past glories of distant memory... The barbells have been torn from their once puma-strong grips. <laughs> the beards shone from their square jaws, only to be transplanted onto flannel-clad, puny weaklings with fingers barely powerful enough to strum a ukulele. The time has come, my brothers, to restore order from the chaos. No longer will our heroes be forgotten. No longer will their great deeds be viewed through a foggy lens of irony. Hear now our rowdy cry as we scream it from the mountaintops, as we bellow it from iTunes and Limson and Facebook. It's time to join the cult, my brothers. So don your cloaks and enter the cult of muscle. My dad
1: And fittingly, that was Armin's pick. Probably better than his other one initial pick. <laughs> the last one was Bren's. Sorry, Bren. Love you, buddy. Oh, and speaking of cults of muscle, isn't today Jake's birthday?
2: It is. His birthday.
1: He is twenty years old today.
2: Jesus! Happy,
1: happy birthday, twenty-year-old.
2: That's a sweetie. I love that Jake. <laughs>
1: Um, cool. So we got some feeds. Well, one feed sack from a familiar voice. Then we got some more questions, Facebook type questions to answer. So I guess we'll get the feed sack done first. Like I said, familiar voice here. Here we go. Hey,
4: this hey, is go. This is this. Where are you going? here's guess Silver and Gold these days. You know, what What are you been doing? You know? Well, I mean, you know, that little movie called Expandable Spring, the greatest action movie of all time, released in the movie theater. I had a job the other day saying he still had seen that. Maybe you should fucking review that for Silver and Gold podcast.
1: We could do two interviews. You no, know?
4: but I don't want people to think I forgot all about Silver and Gold. No, no, no. So let me give you guys a special treat. Oh, boy.
3: Uh, there we go.
4: Go be good! Go be bad! <laughs> go be what you want to, baby! But I know that you said and I know I'll make you happy with the one thing you never had baby I'm your man don't you know that baby I'm your man you (laughs) better I do. If you gotta do it, do it right. It's so good. good. You divine what to take you what to make you, but they don't subscribe. Everybody knows. good people go, but where we're going, baby ain't so such one as no. Don't. Oh, your man. Don't you know that, baby? I'm your man. If you're gonna do it, do it right, i do it with right, me. Baby, take me home. Do it, do it right, right, do it, Please don't leave me. <laughs> First class information. I'll be your sexual inspiration. With some stimulation. Oh, yeah, you'll be mine. Oh. <laughs> Uh, sexy sex. Yeah. <laughs> so why waste time with the other guys. Where well, you can have mine. I ain't asking for no sacrifice. Oh, I got lies. I got a real nice place to go. <laughs> Listen, I don't need you to care. I don't need you to understand yeah all I want is for you to be there for me I'm turned on if you want me I'm your man (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah if you're gonna do it do it right I do (laughs) it with me Do it with me. Now, listen, you know what I say. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it, baby. I'll be your boy, I'll be your man I'll be the one who understands I'll be your first, I'll be your last I'll be the only one you ask I'll be your friend, I'll be your toy I'll be the one who brings you joy I'll be your hope, I'll be your power I'll take you halfway around the world I'll make you rich, I'll make you poor Just don't use the door Yeah I'm your man
1: <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so we miss you, Sly. It's been a while. Um, I've, been, I've been itching to watch Escape Plan again. I think I'll do that.
2: Yes, I have been too.
1: Awesome. So you got some questions for us?
2: Well, yes, I do. This is, comes from uh, people. Okay. In the um, uh, the group.
1: Facebook.com slash group slash gold.
2: Yeah, okay, okay, let's see. We have um, from RE, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. type of war movie do you prefer? Realistic war dramas or fun guys on a mission romps? What do you think about that? Um,
1: let's see. I got to say... Well, it, 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 that one really depends on my mood. I think I would. Do, I think I prefer realistic, um, but sometimes I'm in the mood for the romps too. But realistic, I, I'm going to have to go with because, uh, you know, going to uh, platoon or, or the fucking movies I watched this week, you know. Um, but then what saving about Private like predator, Ryan, I like a lot. What's that?
2: What about like Predator and Inglorious Bastards?
1: And- Bastards is fun. Both of them. But uh, yeah, I like the realistic ones better.
2: Yeah, I think so too. That was my that was my answer because um, I always think of Predator, Predator, and I'm like, God damn, that was so good. But you know, eh, yeah, it's just a it's just a thing. But I like a, a, a if it's a good movie that helps. Uh, but if it's uh something like I don't know Black Hawk Down or Saving Private Ryan or something like that. Really realistic and that really you know makes I you think feel something and the horrors of war and shit.
1: Yeah, I feel it's... like maybe when the the fun romp ones go turdy, they're really boring. As where the realistic one always has that to fall back on. Turdy, it, yeah, I'm turdy.
2: Okay, this is from Scott. Who is the best musician turned actor?
1: Eee. um. Best musician turned actor. I'm trying to think of ones that did. Okay. Or singer, you know, it doesn't have to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know who I like as an actor is actually Justin Timberlake. Yeah. He has been really good. I, I know you hate him, but Mark Wahlberg, I I think it's impressive that he went from, like, shitty white rapper to <sighs> into a pretty successful career in acting. Yeah. Um, his brother is a good actor. He was New Kids on the Block. Um... The best one, well, we saw Frank Sinatra, who I don't know that he was ever that great of an actor. Dean yeah. Martin, he was never that great of an actor. Uh, Madonna's a pretty shitty one.
2: Yeah, because the, the second part of the question is who is the worst. Okay, well, I'm so, going to say Madonna's Madonna probably was, the worst. Yeah, that's who I think. <laughs> I picked Cher is number one because, I mean, like yeah. I, Moonstruck and Silkwood and, I mean, she's been in some good shit.
1: I'm going to go with Justin Timberlake.
2: Okay, right. good. That's all right, Mish.
1: Black Snake Moan.
2: Black Snake Moan. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Now we have another question. This comes from Matt uh, Suzaga. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I, was to, I was trying to remember people's handles. Who is your favorite working director? Also, does this look infected? Yes, it does. Yes, saw it, does. What it was. Stripping. Uh, who is your favorite working director?
0: Um.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out and go Wes Anderson because I look forward to every movie he does without reservation.
2: My answer to that is Nicholas Vinding Refn. Oh,
1: that's a good one too.
2: Yeah, but you can't change yours now because you're fuck. Stuck. Uh, and it was infected. So good Sorry. that looked at. Christ's sakes. Lancet. This is from Ryan. Uh, from parts unknown. Um, who or what or who or what is your favorite? Horror movie Monster.
1: Favorite horror movie monster. Are we talking like universal monster or is this anything?
2: I picked universal, but you can pick whatever you want.
1: Um let's see. Is Godzilla a horror movie? <laughs> Kinda. The first, uh, one? the first one's a horror movie. I I mean I could go Godzilla because I you know, I always like those. I like um I'm going through because there's not like I really like zombie movies. There's but there's not really a named zombie.
2: Sherry Moon.
1: Except for Bub from Day of the Dead. Um I'll go with Godzilla. Not really horror, but the first one kind of was a horror movie.
2: I'm going to go with Frankenstein's monster.
1: Frankenstein. I
2: almost just said Frankenstein, but then I remember that that is the name of the doctor.
1: He's kind of a zombie.
2: Uh, Reanimated corpse. Sort of, yeah, yeah. But pieces of people. Yes. So anyway. This is from Morris. 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 Who is your favorite Marx brother and why?
1: Oh, I gotta! I go Groucho every time. Yeah. Fucking Groucho makes me roll. He's such a fucking smartass, and his mustache is so stupid. I love it.
2: <laughs> it's just black tape. Or, uh, <laughs> no, it's just grease. Grease, grease, paint. Um, I have to go with Groucho too. Although it is hard to choose because I love uh the three main ones, uh, Groucho, Chico, and Harpo. Um, but uh, I just love his fucking quick wit. Yeah. where he just fucking has uh, uh, fucking jump a fucking smart ass answer for everything. And I love when he does, when he dances, he does these fucking <laughs> si- like silly fucking dances. And when he sings, he's horrible singer and he, he dances. It's funny <laughs> as hell, but it's hilarious. Uh, but I love the other ones too. I love watching uh Chico play the uh, fucking uh, harp. Or, uh, oh. No, no, he plays the piano. Shoot. Yeah. Shoot the Harpo keys. Plays the, the harp. Um, now, the next question comes from the mighty Max. Is there a time, and/or place, for colorized versions of black and white movies?
1: Well, interestingly, um, in the movie Wings that I watched, the silent movie, they had color moments. And I was curious about that. Now, this is a little bit different because I know he's talking about completely colorized. But there was a process they actually used when they released this movie to color the flames of the planes when they would be shot down. Uh So there was – and this was actually like – because when I saw it, I was like, well, that kind of looks weird. Like did they do that later or anything? Because one thing that but does bug me about silent movies is when they redo the music and it sounds kind of modern. Yeah. Um, but So I was thinking well, maybe they just did it to highlight it, but then it was actually a process. It had a name and everything, and it sounded like a big pain in the ass. But as far as colorizing a whole movie, I don't know if it's all – if it's necessary. It seems a little – Because
2: remember when Ted Turner was going to – Owned those movies and he started colorizing all these fucking black and whites.
1: Yeah, it's a little silly because I mean, like, what's the point? Like, does it really matter? It's, like, I mean, it's interesting, you know, when you have those photos that come out now, where because you don't know, like, you you're just so used to seeing them in black and white. It's almost like your brain thinks that yeah. the world was black and white then, and it's an interesting thing, but I don't think it's necessary. And and it's like you're 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 depending on someone else's. Uh, not the cinema, not the original cinematographer, because when he's taking it, in theory. Now I know this is not always the case, because you know there's, there's thousands of shitty movies. But in theory, the artistic vision of it is: I, when I'm looking through this lens, I'm creating something that will be composed nicely with the format that I'm given, being black and white. So when you're coloring it, you're depending on someone else to reinterpret that, and you know it probably just kind of looks generic. So I, I, I don't, I mean. It might be fun to see it, but I, I I don't care for it, really.
2: I say nine, nine, nine. Nine! No color movies ever.
1: <laughs> everything black and white. Yes,
2: everything black and white.
1: Although, if everything was black and white in the big red one, they wouldn't have the cool scene where it was black and white during World War I, but except for his one patch on his arm.
2: It would be the big black one.
1: Or the little girl's dress in Schindler's List.
2: Ja. Okay. This comes from uh, Jet... Detector, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why do British pop stars sing with American accents?
1: Uh, I will answer your question with another question: Why do shitty American punk singers sing with British accents? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: uh, my answer was because they want to be us, America. Fuck yeah,
1: America number one.
2: America.
1: Humble you. Fuck Uh, you. I remember when
2: Madonna did that stupid accent. She's. Yeah, she
1: she stinks.
2: Now, that one thing when when they were asking what the uh, best musician to become an actor and worst musician to become an actor, I will add this. I think the worst actor to become a singer, uh, uh, see feedback. Anyway. (laughs) this is from Corey. do you find it morally reprehensible to put ketchup on a hot dog
1: um no okay (laughs) although there is a there's a place here called roast grill who will actually get after you if you ask for ketchup they do not serve ketchup at all
2: well it must be a big thing because i remember in the one dirty harry movie uh where they have this crime scene and there's all this gore and Harry's, you know, you think he's upset and the guy says, the other cop says something to him and he gets, he, he gets on to him about putting ketchup on a hot dog. I, <laughs> when I was a little kid, I liked just ketchup on my hot dog, but then I morphed into ketchup and mustard on a hot dog, both. Mm-hmm. I don't really like just mustard on a hot dog, and I don't really like just ketchup on a hot dog. I like the sweet and sour taste of Ketchup and mustard on a hot
1: dog. I like chili and yeah. onions mm-hmm. mm, and too. maybe sauerkraut.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I've never have tried sauerkraut. I've tried coleslaw on a hot dog. That's, yeah. And yeah. it's good. Um, I don't
1: like mayonnaise, but, yes, that is a popular one.
2: I've put mayonnaise on a hot dog, uh, and it was good. yeah uh, but my my uh standard hot dog, if somebody said Do you want a hot dog? what do you want on it? what's you know your last hot dog before they put you in the gas chamber for having sex with uh whatever and killing her or something um <laughs> I was trying to think of who we were talking about that I wanted to have sex with everybody, you know, just about everybody. Kate Winslet uh yeah yeah, well she would i, I wouldn't get to prison for her um but anyway. Jennifer Lawrence. Now that I've seen some of those pictures, maybe I don't know. No, I wouldn't go to Jennifer. I'd never get caught. I'd never get taken alive. Um, I <laughs> my standard hot dog is ketchup, mustard, sauce, and onions. So there.
1: Sauce. What sauce?
2: Like chili. Oh, I hot dog sauce. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm more up north than you. Uh, That's true. And it depends on the chili because some chili is shit, man, and some. Of you
1: I, when you come down again. And granted, I don't eat hot dogs anymore, but I can take you to that roast grill place because they make their own chili also, and it's a tiny little place, and you often have to wait out on the sidewalk to get in, but man, they make some good fucking hot dogs. when
2: no, like you get some – like it, when you get canned chili at the fucking store, uh, some of it – That's not – it doesn't even have meat in it. It though. has meat. The, some of it has like like actual beef, like has meat in it, and some of it is like – it's almost like fucking like refried beans. Well, or the, something.
1: Te- the Texas Pete brand hot yeah. dog chili is soy. It's not even real. Yeah, it's it's odd. Now it might it might have it might have beef flavoring, but it does not. The the chunks in it are soy, not beef.
2: It's like they just hold a, a baby over top of the can and squeeze it, and it shits in the can. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, from Hank, how awesome is Don Johnson?
1: Fourteen.
2: Um, I like Don. The first thing I saw Don Johnson in was Return to Macon County, which was the sort of sequel to Macon County line uh, with him and Nick Nolte in the lead. Um, I watched Miami Vice, but I think there after a while he kind of got uh, kind of into that too much. And it just meh. But he has made a comeback, and I like it. Yeah,
1: yeah. He was really good in, what was it, Machete he was in? Machete. And um, he was really funny in, as uh, uh, the character he played in Eastbound and Down was really funny, too. I liked him a lot in that.
2: All right, Mouse. Come on,
4: Mouse. Mouse. Mouse.
2: Okay, next question is from Bill. Uh, Why do people stop, not pull over to the right, and stop for fire trucks and ambulances anymore so why don't they yield when an ambulance is coming up behind them or they do here well i guess here recently we've had a couple we've had a couple of wrecks around here where people haven't and like uh ambulance rolled over the hill and person that they were working on died and yikes um i think it's because they're fucking assholes
1: well, yeah, there's a lot more assholes now than there used to be, but i don't I don't know that I've ever seen it here. I mean most people just get out of the way here, or you know they pull over just halfway and then when the when it goes by, they speed up and get right behind it so they can beat all the lights, yeah,
2: they go like hell, so the cops won't pull them over from Paul uh, how did I make myself pregnant, and why does the ultrasound image show a scene from ramsey's hotel hell? <laughs> what? Okay, I have an answer to
1: this. Turkey baster.
2: Yeah, there you go. Um, I think that it's probably from some type of cum in the butthole. Yes. Uh, either dripping down or Paul was impregnated by a demon. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, my mom and dad had uh, the book The Exorcist, and <laughs> it was either in that book or I read it somewhere where these people were explaining what it's what it feels like to be raped by a demon so I have to ask Paul and he can get back to us on this did the demon's dick did you ever dream that you were getting raped or fucked uh, by a demon or a goat or something like subhuman Um, Dick Cheney maybe Oh, and did the dick (laughs) feel like was it as cold as ice I remember them saying that the devil's cock felt as cold as ice
1: there you go. So, is he talking about Gordon Ramsay's Hotel Hill? I don't know. Have you ever seen that show? If that's what he's talking I've been, about, well, I I've that's watched what
2: it's called. That. I, I actually, it was on uh, BBC America, and I started watching it.
1: Yeah, it's got to be something like you, you like like eating a eating a turkey that you fucked or something.
2: You got butt fucked by like Anton Levey or something. <laughs> uh, let's see, or Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> okay, this is from Jason.
1: When he got off the phone.
2: Does anal hurt a man more than a woman?
1: Um, no.
2: I would say that...
1: Physically? No. Mentally? <laughs>
2: it just, I guess it would depend on whether you, number one, want it or not. Number yeah. two, whether you have a sensitive lover who is knowledgeable in the art of the butt... And analing- about-
1: analingus. Yes. Oh wait, no, that's different.
2: Who is who is uh, uh, knows about lube mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and knows about relaxing the butthole. Okay, <laughs> and he had a second question. This is also from Jason. My
1: my rationale is guys have bigger poops, so they're better. Uh, they're better prepared.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen a woman's poop, so yeah, I'm know. sure some of those hogs can chomp out some <laughs> big turds. <laughs> don't, don't overestimate, uh, what fucking comes out of somebody's butthole <laughs> or in and what in the name of Jesus balls has happened to uh, my guy, Robert De Niro these past two decades.
1: Ooh. So, yeah. Oh, um,
2: just balls. Jesus he, balls.
1: He's got, he got tired Yeah, and he likes money. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's like I'm just going to go fucking have fun now. I've done my – I did my duty. I've I've made my artistic movies for 20-plus years, and now I'm just going to go do some shit and uh, and get paid for it even more than, you know. I could do six Raging Bulls, or I could do one, meet the Fockers, and get the same amount of money.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I said. So, I mean, you know, he's just he's fucking – I don't He's know. He's done. He's checked I, out. I I imagine that he has su- he has that stuff left in him. Um Well, yeah,
1: did you see Silver Linings Playbook?
2: Silver Linings Playbook was He's good. really good in that, yeah. And uh the one with him and Paul Dano, uh that was mm-hmm. based on uh you know, Shit City or whatever the fuck was it was. <laughs>
1: yeah, another another something Sucky Night in Bullshit City yeah, or whatever it was called. Uh,
2: yeah. It was really good. Um He's just probably, he's a fucking older dude and he's like, you know, tired of fucking, especially if he's like a method actor yeah. that uh, has to dredge up all this shit. He's probably like, I can go play Fokker, you know, uh, Gaylord Fokker's, uh father in law and just have a good time mm. with fucking Ben Stiller. Mm. Um, That chick that was in that had really nice boobs <laughs> that plays uh, Fokker's wife. Okay, and the last question is. Um, From Auntie or Auntie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I don't know how you pronounce that?
1: I don't know how to pronounce um, his name. I'm sorry.
2: If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound?
1: Well, I mean, you know that that gets into the whole thing of whether what the definition of a sound, you now physically speaking, scientifically speaking, yes, it does, but metaphysically speaking, perhaps not, because maybe a sound is something that has to be heard. To, to exist, otherwise it's just like a, a series of vibrations or something. Okay. But, yes, it makes a sound.
2: I have to say that if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around.
1: I think there's always going to be something around that will hear it, be it an insect. No, no one is or, around,
2: motherfucker.
1: There's always going to be an insect there's or a squirrel nothing. Nothing. or a bird. No, nothing no, at all. There's okay. nothing. Okay. Okay.
2: Yes, it does. <laughs> so anyway, and uh, second part of his question, does the Pope shit in the woods?
1: Yeah. Uh, John Paul, yes. Current Pope, no.
2: I added that. So anyway, but I thought okay. it was funny. Uh, so that's all the questions we have. Thanks for all Sweet. the people.
1: All right. We so we to do
2: answer questions because it is fucking kind of funny. Yes.
1: It's and it's uh, you can send we we always post these on um well, not always we just started doing it again we did it for a little while and stopped for god it was like a year we didn't do it but well it's easier um, to
2: get feedback that's for sure that's
1: definitely <laughs> yeah take part people um yeah we we do those we do those threads on uh, our Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash and gold uh, you can still send us feedback the old old timey way at uh, old timey what is it one eight, fuck I just forgot our voicemail number. You can always send us feedback to 206-339-1600. I don't know what it is. I almost said 1-800. 206-339-1600. Or, or. silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. And download our show on our website, silvagold.com. You on can iTunes. even
2: send us an MP3. You can send us
1: an MP3 to our email address.
2: Yeah, so you don't have to call. Send me.
1: us an MP2, and I will convert it to an MP3.
2: What's the one that they always send you that you can't convert?
1: Bernie always sends... Uh, an M A I don't even know the extension on this MMA MMA! and I have to convert it to M4A M4A and uh, let's see find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio also cool and next week on the show um, Kelly on the Gentleman's Guide group a couple weeks ago um, begged one of us to review a movie, and I jumped on it because we don't like to think about what movies we're doing, so we, <laughs> <laughs> we're, going, we're going to cover Short Eyes from 1977, yeah, what? and Dave Mack suggested on the same thread a double for it, uh, Animal Factory from 2000, so I guess it will be a prison politics double feature. So that should be a fun one I've not seen either Although the poster for Short Eyes is pretty awesome Awesome Um, And that's it God, it's getting late I gotta fucking work tomorrow Isn't that the shit well, Drizzling shit yeah. all right. Better than um, not having a
2: job at all Yeah, that's true Well, we got a long show this week I hope everybody yeah, enjoyed it
1: Could be a goddamn (laughs) bow.
2: I'd rather be the fucking
1: shack. (laughs) Alright, well, until next time, this is
0: a loaf.
2: Oot. Hunt the song. Oot. Goodbye.